must I end so young a life that is so useless and without a name? My birth and my death, that is my whole story. So who do you think said that, Adrian? <laughs> I mean, that, that must be a Julius Caesar quote, no? Uh, uh, well, you're, you're very, very close, but no, it's, it's Napoleon II, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, the most, most famous Napoleon of all. Napoleon II. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, well, I mean, contrary to what I just said, uh, he's, he's not the most famous Napoleon. As, as most people probably know. And, um, you know, that's that's why we thought it'd be interesting to do an episode on him and um, his really quite rather tragic life, actually. I, I, yeah. I don't know why I'm laughing. I, mean, I shouldn't be laughing, but it's... It's yeah, like a nervous it's, laughter. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's call it that, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a pretty... Um, it's not uh, shadow for you, though. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's, it's, it's just very kind of... Um, you know, it's it's a classic case of where you know someone's uh, immediate ancestors, in this case, parent, are have, have this great kind of dynamic life, um, and then the the child's life is then um, kind of stilted in a number of ways uh, that we'll discuss. Yeah, the burden um, of uh, expectation, isn't it? Especially in the case of someone who one of history's yeah, most much. prolific and um, you know notorious kind of figures. Um, yes, with uh, huge implications on on world history and um, oh, und- 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 undeniable, yeah, definitely, so, uh, um, yeah, remarkable life. And and I think I think it's interesting too because most people have probably never heard anything about Napoleon the Second. You know, every- yeah, yeah, very, very true. I mean, you you have to do a hard Google um, <laughs> to, to to find Napoleon the Second. You know, Google will normally say something like, "Did you mean Napoleon the First? And in this yeah. case, we don't. We mean number two or the um, third, right? Before we- or the third, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, but what, why I, is there I, a gap? Know. I suppose that's well, exactly, the question. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, mm. I mean, you know, I hope we get to an episode on, on number three at some point. Um, but, <laughs> but before before we get into that, how was your week? Did you have a good week? Had a good week. Um, yeah, it's yeah. actually been a while since we last recorded. Um, yeah, how, how, yeah. how long has it been? Like two months? <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a long time. Yeah, and um, you know, dear, dear listeners, that's that's been because uh, I've been ill, Adrian's yeah. been ill, we've had yeah. Christmas, uh, and all the obligations of Christmas. We've had the Christmas um, uh, crush work wise as well, you know, but in our full time jobs, uh, with you know trying to get everything done before Christmas, and then coming back in January and trying to get everything uh, going again. <laughs> so, yeah, because we're like. After the break. Not professional podcasters at all, are we? We're very much navigating <laughs> any moment outside of work. <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much, yes. Yeah. So, pretty much. Um, um, you know, much time as well. Definitely, you know, so we're recording this at, uh, you know, nearly half past eight on a Thursday. So, right um, and yeah, but yeah, you've had a good week. That's, that's really good to hear. And anything exciting happen? I finished reading a book that I've been reading for months, which oh, is a okay. great feeling. What, what was the book? Uh, Brothers Karamazov. Been, oh, brilliant! Okay, been reading it like on the on the tube and like just in the evenings. But oh, wow! It's a thousand pages. It doesn't really get going till about halfway through. Um, That's like tube goals, isn't it? Reading Brothers Karamazov on the tube. <laughs> luckily, yeah. Luckily, I, my my tube isn't too packed where I get on, so I always get a nice. seat. But um, it's yeah, it's a bit mad. Um, That's very cool. Very very good book. I recommend it. Um, 
Although I think Crime Punishment slightly more full of drama and, and energy. Oh, so okay, you prefer that one. That's the only one I've read. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean the the sounds really good. The plot summary on the back, the blurb says on the you know the death <laughs> of the father, these three brothers are reunited. <laughs> And you get to about page five hundred, and the father's not dead yet, and you're like, it's basically, <laughs> I mean, it's basically a spoiler, like that the dad dies, basically. Oh, okay. Um, so I mean, if you said about you'd be, you'd be like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I had a spoiler like ruined for me. I just googled something, oh. and for some reason it auto completed. You know, when Google auto completes the like the oh, sentence, no, that's terrible. Yeah, and it, I was like, fuck, that, that's really bad. The spoiler, and then the spoiler isn't even true. And I was like, it <laughs> built up in my head so much. And then I was like, wait a minute, it's not oh, even so that You were clear. expecting it the whole time, but it never happened. Which, yeah, oh, almost worse than a spoiler. Yeah. I agree, actually, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, um, you know, for for me this week, uh, I went to a party. It was 90s themed. Um, but I was trying to think, how can... so So for listeners at home... I always wear the same outfit. It's a it's a black suit basically, <laughs> um, and I was trying to think how can I possibly wear a black suit to a nineties party? And I thought that oh, if I just pretend I thought it was eighteen nineties, I'll get away with it. So uh... that's, exa- that's exactly what I did. <laughs> um, you know, got a cane and a top hat. Um, top hat was too big for me. It was too small. Really? For my head, unfortunately, I did. Yeah, <laughs> actually up. got a top hat. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh. I, I, I would show you, but it's upstairs. Yeah, <laughs> like a proper big steam pipe one. Oh my god! Like wow, really, really tall one. But yeah, it's too small for my head, unfortunately. Like uh, most <laughs> most hats are, which is uh, which is really annoying. Um, yeah, but that's that was the probably the highlight of my week. That was really fun. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, what are you what are you drinking today? I am drinking uh, Aaron single malt scotch, which oh. I've. Oh, I've received nice. a mysterious package oh, um, well, well, well. around Christmas time. I don't know from who. I don't know how. I don't know where. I, I uh, think no, I've yeah. literally already. I think I've already drank the one that you sent me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm sure I did. I'm sure I drank. Uh, yeah, no, I did. I did. Yeah, I literally. Yeah, it's gone. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> but it was very nice. Um, oh, it's it's, a, it's a good sign that you drank it so quick. I mean, yeah. Lovely stuff. And this is very nice as well. I have to say it's 10 years old. Thank you so much. It's very smooth and, and uh, peaty. So enjoying it. Oh, that's good. To hear. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I had to, you know, cause um, I, I had it recommended to me by like a really old man um, <laughs> in a, in a, in a pub in Edinburgh and he was overhearing oh, wow. these two. Uh, no, I was with this American, well, this Spanish, Spanish American guy. Um, and uh then, <laughs> then um i was recommending whiskeys to him and then this guy was like no try this and then we were like okay all right so Whoa. yeah it was, it was lovely. I mean, there's no better mark of uh quality than an old guy in an edinburgh pub like well yeah edinburgh. what this guy's nose was like fully like red <laughs> so, you know you could tell you could tell he knew what he was talking about you know so <laughs> uh, and he's very right yeah it's delicious <laughs> oh lovely lovely yeah, can can definitely agree. Um, what are you drinking? Um, so I I'm not sure, and I'll tell you why. Because um, I got a decanter for Christmas. Oh wow! <laughs> so uh, I think it's Tamavulin. Um, Lovely, but I can't remember which one. Um, yeah. Lovely stuff. That's uh, very classy. <laughs> 
I'll be more I'll be more specific next time. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought I'd try it out. Um, yeah, yeah, try out the decanter. How do you feel <laughs> drinking with a decanter? Does it add anything to the experience? Well, I, I googled like, uh, does it actually change the taste? I mean, it does slightly. It kind of mellows it out. So if you have like a really harsh one, um, which tamarind isn't really, then it it would make it bit softer so if you had oh. i don't know like a like a check daniels or something and then you probably want to decanter um <laughs> that's such a waste of a decanter no? Just, <laughs> <laughs> well, but then, but then another, another like pro of a decanter so i was like no one knows what you're drinking right so you, it looks really classy just get bells like just get like yeah like the famous grouse or something or <laughs> like uh sainsbury's own brand whiskey yeah yeah <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah exactly like brown vodka basically um yeah you could, could be doing that um yeah so that's that's i think the, the main pros are aesthetic um but yeah it does it does it very nice uh so cool so we've done we've done the intro so um yeah do you want to kick off with a quick introduction on um what was you know kind of how napoleon the second was conceived and and, and the um, the situation that that caused that. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, let's let's go into the. Cool. I mean, we, we won't be too intimate, obviously, but <laughs> the graphic. <laughs> the graphic. No, no, no. We're not going to be. No, no, no. <laughs> Just you know, kind of, kind of the kind of why and things like that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll give a very, very. And this is this is a note for us rather than the yes. listener. A very true, quick very overview true. of Napoleon's life, because Napoleon the first life, yeah. Yeah, because we are we are very big fans of Napoleon the First. <laughs> at least enthusiasts. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd say the good, the best way to say that is we're we're Francophiles. Uh, <laughs> what yeah, I'm so saying is the French national anthem goes hard. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good anthem, true. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll run through that very quickly just to give a context and an overview of, um, I suppose, yeah, the, the conceiving of the birth and and the mm. the intentions behind uh, <laughs> uh, Napoleon's heir. Um, yes. which ends up being not quite the air. So let's let's go into that yeah. quick break now, and then let's jump back in. Um, cool. Nice. <laughs> We're back. Nice we to see are. you again. Oh, oh <laughs> that, was, that was fun. Um, and yeah, so do you, do you want to tell us about um, uh, Napoleon II's dad? Napoleon the first. Oh uh, yeah, up yeah. Until 1809. The guy famous for being Napoleon the second's dad. That's uh... yeah, that's yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, so yeah, very very whistle stop tour, omitting all the only, only the minor details, none of the major details. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Although those are debatable, but yeah, we're, 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 we're trying not to. I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll try my best not to get too hyped. Okay, go, go ahead. <laughs> no, I mean I'm only going to talk about the minor details. I'm not going to talk about the major details. <laughs> it's my favorite details. <laughs> um, so Napoleon the first, Napoleone yeah. di Buonaparte, born mm-hmm. in Corsica in Ajaccio, 1769, 15th of August. Um, he is not from mainland France, even though he became the mm. French emperor. He was from yeah. Corsica, which until mm. very recently at the time was part of Italy or Ita- very much Italian speaking. The language itself, yeah. even to this day, is very different to French. In fact, he only really learned French around the age of 10. Um, mm. And for his whole life, he had an accent. And um, yeah, he actually had, had an accent the whole time. 
quite bad spelling too. If, if you see some of his letters that he actually wrote, <laughs> he, as, you, as you mentioned earlier, he, he dictates most of his letters, but the ones he wrote are full of spelling mistakes. And um, it was always kind of a, a, a point of uh, insecurity for him. Uh, the yeah, he, I mean, he, was, he wasn't known for his like penmanship or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but even, <laughs> even his voice, right? Even his intonation. And, um, yeah, yeah much well, I, I, guess it's, I guess it's similar to, well, oh, this is a bad comparison, but um, <laughs> I suppose it's similar to some leaders of um, the Soviet Union who True. went from the Russian yeah, yeah. Uh, Soviet Socialist Republic uh, who yeah. retained an accent. I mean, Stalin very much so, right? Very, very much so. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like such a Stalin, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's probably the biggest. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. yeah, but that's, that's a very bad comparison, unfair comparison. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, he was Georgian, likewise, right? He, he wasn't from like the capital or this kind of like yeah. elite uh, metropolitan. Yes, exactly. Like, you know, he's, he's from the periphery, um, mm. you know, of, of the metropole uh, mm. rather than from the metropole itself. Um, so that's that's very interesting. And I think I think there is a point to be made there about the complex of like identity um, and the kind of a, a, hmm. a re-strengthening of personal nationalism, like through that kind of need to to fill the lack of of uh, national pride that definitely yeah, l- lack of lack of acceptance um by um you know the the elite the metropolitan elite uh, yeah. and a kind of a, a need to prove oneself yeah yeah hmm. and i suppose the only way to do that is almost through like a subjugation of the culture and you know that is hmm. getting too lofty I, i've been I've been on a bit of a lofty vibe recently. Uh, so right. I, think, I think we're always on a lofty vibe, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> I, think, I think our listeners are used to that point. Let's, let's not psychoanalyze Stalin right now. We can do that no, in another no, episode. Not, no, yeah, we can do that later. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, back, to, back to Napoleon. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah. So I, I think it's, you can say the same for Napoleon as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, he, so he, he changed his name for that exact purpose. Like his name was Napoleon yes, exactly. there. With an E at the end, de Buonaparte, spelled differently to, to Bonaparte. Um, mm-hmm. He came up in the French Revolution where nobility was, you know, getting their head chopped off. Um, mm-hmm. It led to a huge brain drain, like a lack in in the officers and generals and kind of like the aristocratic mm-hmm. kind of uh, hegemony. Uh, and, I mean, and, and and he himself was very, I mean, very very minor nobility, but he exactly. was still was still noble. But it was kind of an Italian side, right? Like he, from from the Italian exactly, side, yeah. nobility. Yeah. Um, and luckily he avoided that kind of purge, but he, he was very mm. much, as you said, on the periphery, he kind of skirted the topic yeah. quite well, um, in France at the time. Um, but essentially in that climate, he was very lucky to, to grow, uh, his, his political stature, like very, very quickly. Mm. I think by the age, age of 24, he became a general, um, mm-hmm. Which is insane, right? Um, I mean, can, you, I mean, can you imagine like um, a Gen Z, like yeah, a Gen yeah. Z general now, <laughs> or, or even like a millennial general, like uh, twenty-four? Like, no, no way. <laughs> yeah, no. no. Yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know I, I, we've never said how old we are, but you know, we're we're saying that as uh, people born in 1995. So, so, yeah, so, so yeah exactly yeah you know we're, we're not we're not hating um, um but it, it is it is crazy i mean that's not to say that he doesn't have an abundance of talent like he's he's very skilled in mathematics and in in kind of classics and stuff uh, and yeah yeah particularly maths yeah definitely so he he gets into like the artillery uh kind of school mm-hmm. um and it's kind of the most prestigious kind of part of the military kind of academy to get into because it requires the most mathematical knowledge it also mm. requires the most 
kind of academic understanding. Um, just to say, just to say quickly, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best to not to not just like because uh, I have I've read so many books like so I'm just gonna try my best not to like, uh, <laughs> like just just come with like the every one of these random lines that comes into my head from these many books. Um, but just but just quickly, but particularly in the context of revolutionary France, the um, yeah. the uh, the artillery arm of of the army was particularly prestigious because previously it would be in the cavalry, but obviously that's associated with nobility um, because the fact that you have to buy your own horse, you have to buy your own equipment, that's all yeah. very expensive. You have to feed the horse, etc. So with the nobility gone, um, therefore, because it's a bourgeois revolution, the French Revolution, you then have the educated uh, bourgeoisie, the educated middle class, um, who inhabit the, uh, who are more likely to go into artillery because it requires more education than the infantry, that's why it becomes the premier arm of the French army in, in that sense yeah. of prestige. It's perceived as meritocratic, mm. isn't it? Because it's, it's based yeah, on so it, it, power, it reflects society. Yeah, mm. that's a really good point, that actually. Yeah, it's, it's a good distinction to make because absolutely cavalry is always seen as a creme de la creme. And, you know, like you said, you've got to pay for it. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, Most of history, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so he, he's he's very gifted. But it is funny, though, reading about like mm. his life because he, I think he spent the majority of the weeks in um, his early national, early military mm. career. Uh, I, I think it, it is actually a majority, as in like over half the time he yeah. was in his, in his thing. He spent on like sick leave in Corsica and he got, very, got very wrapped true, up. Yes. <laughs> he wrote like a few novels. He, he wrote like an aspirational did, novel yeah. about, about himself <laughs> being like a protagonist in love with a... <laughs> It's yeah. crazy. <laughs> I he love that about him. Guy. I mean, well, he was also very into Corsican nationalism as well. Until, right? Un until he yeah. switched because his, his hero um, yeah. basically turned on him and, and kind of hated him for his father's... Pauli. Yeah. Pauli, yeah. For his father's yeah. kind of like noble kind of mm. reputation. And he wrote a history of Corsica. He was writing a history of Corsica at the yes. time when he was on the sick leave. And eventually, though, he was kind of... He, he actually he participated in a coup um, with yes, Pauli. Did, like, yeah against French, yeah. which is really funny because he was he was in the French military at the time of performing yeah, a coup exactly. against France. Um, yeah. <laughs> apparently the, the letter like of his dismissal just didn't get to the, the central committee in time and they kind of got uh, rushed under the, under the rug. Crazy. Shame. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, very, very um, lucky, very, very lucky guy. Um, I, I just love the idea of like you know someone like that just writing. I mean, he he really took the Mickey with like all that kind of stuff, like crazy. Yeah, no, he he, he fully took the Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> um, so very very quick tour now. He essentially mm -hmm. he rises through the ranks. Um, he marries Josephine, who was um, married to a, a French kind of nobleman. Yeah. Who got executed mm -hmm. in the re revolution? She was very close to also yes. being executed. Um, he, he yes, true, yeah. He marries her, and like literally the so next just, day. So she's she's uh, just descended from um, Guadalupean um, plantation owners, isn't she? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I think she's and, born and there as well. It's quite a bit older than him. She is, yeah, and and she's uh, quite a bit older than he is as well. Yeah, I think six um, years. Yeah, um, which is which is it comes into play oh, later. Yeah. That's um, that's not that bad, is it? Actually, yeah, yeah. But but it it does become a factor um, f for a reason that we'll talk about. So uh, she has kids. Uh, he kind of adopts yes. them. <laughs> so, um, 
Um, very much so. Very, very much so. Yes. He later in, in life bestows them with noble yeah. status and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, mm -hmm. what I find is really funny is that he marries her the next day he goes after the Italian campaign, literally the next day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so... And, and obviously, um, like, she doesn't go as well. So, no, you know, it's not really hard. She, has, she has an affair on no. him. Um, he writes letters yeah, to her. Yeah, while he's away, yeah. There are letters that we can read that are sent, which feels quite invasive to read, but he's like... You're not coming to see me. Why are you coming I, to see I, me? I, like... I think they were. <laughs> I'm. I'm not sure if it's this campaign or the. I think. Well, I know for a fact the Egyptian campaign. Yeah. They were intercepted by the Royal Navy. Yeah. While he was in <laughs> Egypt, and they were actually published by the Times newspaper, which was an operation at the time that yeah, translated yeah. the letters from French into English and published them in full. Um, in the Times, yeah, but I, I can't. No. I can't remember which paper published them uh, for the Italian campaign. I mean, it's, it, it looks bad, you know? And the thing is, like, the guy she was cheating on him with, Hippolyte Charles, was, like, a lower uh, kind of rank <laughs> officer than him. And um, it's, it's... Yeah, but he's up. meant to be very hot. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's meant to be very kind of good-looking. Good um, so I think that was probably the reason why. But yeah, but she was... Um, yeah, before, but prior to their marriage, she was kind of uh, known for being kind of uh, a mistress to many... <clears throat> Yeah, kind of powerful men. There were some nicknames that she had that I won't repeat, but they have quite charged, um, quite, quite misogynistic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I mean, by by all accounts, they were very much very good friends, and you could you could at least say that they had a very very good um, mm -hmm. rapport together. She would refer to him kind as Napoleon, yeah, like, like an intellectual relationship. Mm -hmm. Very much so. I mean, love is is a, is a complicated. Uh, thing especially at the time but um very much you know <laughs> he wasn't marrying up by marrying her at least not as much as he could have done had he been more politically minded in that mm. sense um i mean although, I, su I suppose it's been argued that um that yeah sorry I, you're probably gonna say this but uh you know he's 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 marrying her not only because he loves her but also because uh you know she's con very connected politically like, you know, like mostly based off of people she's had, um, you know, she's been to parties with and uh, you know, people that she's, uh, you know, had prior relationships with. Uh, but she's she's very, very well connected. So it's an advantageous marriage for him in this sense, in that sense. Yeah. And she also brings him out of his shell because it seems yeah. like he was quite like a shy guy, at least uh, socially at that That's point. And, and also, as you yeah. mentioned, like, you know, with the revolution, like she's probably one of the best uh, kind of socialite kind of, people from that upper class yeah, that are yeah, still left, you know? Definitely, yeah. I mean, well, there's not many left, are there? So, yes. <laughs> so like, Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a limited pool and, you know, she's yeah. in the pool. <laughs> um, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, from his letters that he sends to her, it, it does seem like he's very much like, uh, at least very lustful towards her. Um, as we already covered, it's not reciprocated definitely. as such um, at that point. Um, yes, <laughs> but they they do definitely have a very strong relationship. And I mean, one of his one of Napoleon, yeah, one of the first last words are, um, well, he has a kind of a, a jumbled kind of series of words. But one of them is Josephine. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, like, most, most people do, don't they? When they when they when they die, you know, their last words yeah. can be quite jumbled. But, uh, but you know, he but said, yeah, I, think I mean, that's incredibly like, sweet, isn't it? It's like France, the army, Josephine, and something I can't, I can't remember he, he has yeah, I mean, like the biggest words. things in his life basically <laughs> yeah yeah most um, important things in his life which 
bearing in mind by that point he was divorced to Josephine and he hadn't seen her in mm. decade, well, over 10 years. Um, and he was not mm. married to her at that point, um, which we'll get onto. Um, that kind of signifies how important she was in his life, uh, you know, by any means, right? Um, so, yeah, so, okay, so he goes on to the talent campaign, uh, smashes it. Actually, I won't go through, I have a lot of notes here. I won't go through <laughs> okay. majority of them. Yeah, he's fighting uh, Austria, um, you know, the, um, which at that point is the, um, the lead, Oh, I'm trying not to be too complicated. Is uh, yeah, so Austria at that point is is not the empire of Austria as it later becomes, but is is the lead um, kind of elector state of the Holy Roman Empire. Mm. Um, yeah. And the the, the Holy Roman Empire is hard is, not to complicate. It's hard not to complicate a sentence when you include yeah. the Holy Roman Empire. New France is the second it, yeah. of the Holy Roman Empire becomes France as the first of the of Austria, basically, right? So exactly, like, that exactly, gives you an yes, yeah. yes. Um, he names his horse so Marengo. Yeah. Yes. He names this horse Marengo after the battle with which he mm-hmm. defeated Austria, for example. Yeah. Um, Austria, I mean, for Napoleon, of course, like Britain is very much the, the main enemy, but only kind of ideologically is that the case because I think in reality, mm. Austria was always, you know, people think of Russia, but I think really mm. Austria was always the, the main bugbear of, of Napoleon and, and France. Yeah, d- um, d- um, d- definitely in, in a military sense, yeah. Uh, yeah. Austria, yeah. I mean, in, in, in an economic sense, Britain. Um, yeah, there's yeah. famous, famous lines about Britain, you know, he, he refers to it as perfidious Albion. Um, yeah. <laughs> and a, a nation of shopkeepers as well, um, you know, which is alludes to the economic um, kind of warfare that Britain and France were engaged with. Yeah, well, with the continental system, so he he tries to shut off basically exactly, the, yes. the market. He tries to Brexit. Yeah, so, uh, so, so, so simply, yeah, he he, try, he tries to Brexit Britain <laughs> for Britain, you know. Yeah, without without you know without Britain having any say in it. Basically. So history rhymes. It, it's you know it does rhyme. Yeah, his, his history does repeat itself. You know, like uh, um, um, twice twice as fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. to, to, to quote Marx, <laughs> so first is the tragedy. Um, the second is yes, the second is first, yeah. Um, yeah. But obviously that leads on to the war with Russia. Um, in any case, so Austria is very much kind of the, the main thorn in his side in continental Europe. And I think mm-hmm. in real terms, I think his, I, I suppose his like probably primary rival in terms of like military commanders, you could make the case that it would be Archduke Charles, who is the Austrian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. He he fights him from the beginning of his career in the Italian campaign all the way to pretty much the end of his career. Um, mm. They're very intertwined, as we'll see later on. Um, but I mean, he's he's in Vienna multiple times. He's you know he's crossing the oh, Danube. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, he's he's occupying it multiple times. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Um, and you know what we're trying to say is Austria is very much a big player in his life, right? hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Um, he has a quote here from the, the war of the third coalition, which is 1805-1806, where of course mm. Austria is involved. You have the Ulm campaign, which is seen as one of his master yes. strokes of military strategy. Yeah. Um, definitely. Where he kind of hinges from the West coast of Europe into uh, Germany to like Ulm, um, mm-hmm. has some very decisive, decisive battles. Of course, Austerlitz happens, um, and he, he has a, a great quote from there, which is, I've accomplished my object. I've destroyed the Austrian army by simply marching, which is great. I mean, very, very much so that is what happened because he did it in a record number of days using the kind of core system, yeah. um, which uh, 
don't know if you want to talk about, maybe we shouldn't talk about it too much. <laughs> just, I mean, just, just super quickly. Uh, yeah, I mean, so the, the main features of the Napoleonic Warfare are, um, you know, to, to move the army um, in tripartite, um, sometimes more than three, um, so that uh, one, one makes contact with the enemy, the rest can fold onto it. Yeah, as most armies at the time moved as one. Um, there's that, and then also as well the use of uh, particularly mobile artillery um, to support infantry charges. Um, pretty much, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds very simple, but um, yeah, that was very, very, very different from what the standard practice was at the time and uh, was very effective against the standard practice at the time. He, he definitely kind of noticed. Uh, a gap in military strategy and, and found a solution to it. And, mm, and yeah. it's, it's quite evident by the fact that most modern armies, uh, well, most armies at the time would then adopt his tactics and use oh, them against him, yeah. right? Um, yes, which exactly. led, led to his ultimate downfall. Um, yeah. I suppose on, on that point as well about the Third Coalition, so he takes Vienna then, of course. He uh, oscillates, mm. which is like seen as his like masterpiece uh, battle. Mm. Um, I mean, the, we could have a... A series of episodes on on Austerlitz alone. Um, yes, <laughs> but uh, yes. we won't we won't do that now. <laughs> not not today. <laughs> All you have to know is that he smashes them, right? Um, yeah, it was, so, it was it's his big victory. You know, if you go to the French Army Museum, which I have yeah. done uh, probably about five <laughs> times, um, then they have this big diorama of um, the Battle of Austerlitz and. Uh, you know, particularly if you listen to the French commentary, it's incredibly <laughs> triumphant. And um, yeah. the, 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 um, it's, you know, it's, it's seen by most people as, as his, uh, most historians, as, as his, uh, his greatest victory, basically. Yeah. And, and not only because yeah. of the military strategy in the battle itself, but the kind of the use of trickery. So he kind of lets the enemy have the, the part of the land that like is most desirable in a battle. Yeah, it's, um, it's a faint, it's a faint, basically. Yeah. You know, it's similar to, um, uh, the uh, about the Hastings, you know, where, where the mm. high ground is seeded um, to give a, a, se- a false sense of advantage. Yeah, um, to the there's, there's a beautiful moment there that I think could lend itself well. Mm. I'm sure it has done, but to, to a great romantic kind of style painting where the the kind of yes. mist clears beneath the the, the plains, <laughs> and you just yes. see the the French army kind of uh, materializing before um, the uh, the enemy's eyes. You know, um, yeah. But it's it's really a powerful moment, um, and so the 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 combination that kind of campaign is the Confederation of the Rhine is created, which basically dissolves yeah. the HRE, the Holy Roman Empire. Um, I have I have a really good fact about this, which I'll be oh, super brief with. <laughs> so actually, if, if for anyone who's ever been to the Louvre, if you notice, there's an arch just in front of the Louvre. Um, and if you actually read what it says on the arch, it's, it says this arch commemorates the destruction of the Holy Roman Empire. Oh, <laughs> which, which, you know, with a big kind of um, icon of uh, of Napoleon on the on the front, you know, riding um, this chariot <laughs> of four horses, like like the Greek god Apollo. Um, you know, very classic kind of Napoleonic monument building. Um, yeah, but then, you know, he's yeah he's commemorating. Destruction of the Holy Roman Empire to create the Confederation of, of the Rhine, which is yeah. um, at, at the time a, a, a French um, kind of puppet, puppet confederation, yeah. effectively. And it's used geopolitically, right? Because it's the entry into the East, right? It's, it's basically yeah, it's yeah, in, in, into Central Central Eastern Europe. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. 
which which he very much makes the use of, and it, it turns sour oh, yeah. ultimately. But yeah. um, but uh, yeah, the age, the Holy Roman Empire, a thousand years of, of existence up to that. It's founded mm, in yeah, eight hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're talking yeah, eighteen oh five by Charlemagne. Yeah, yeah. So a thousand year legacy uh, or a thousand year kind of uh, empire. Um, you know, let's not take that lightly. That's that's a huge thing mm. to happen in, in the geopolitical like, oh, sphere. Oh yeah, well, well, def- def- definitely, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so the the Treaty of Pressburg, which is what what they sign at the end of this war, um, Austria loses like a lot of land and territorial claims to France mm-hmm. as well, um, and Germany, and Italy as well. They have to pay forty million francs. Uh, it's like a humiliating, you know, it's, it's a series of humiliations basically against them. But there is very much like yeah. a you know <laughs> a, a, a grudge. That is has been formed and it's continuing to grow. Um, really? Why? <laughs> it's just some unrelated. Uh... <laughs> oh, so so weird. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, shortly after you have the fourth coalition, uh, Prussia and Russia. Um, yes. What I think is cool is like they take uh, Napoleon takes Berlin. Uh, mm-hmm. He has like a little respect for Frederick the Great, which is uh, to I mean, me not I mean, a friend of the show. To you, a friend of the show. I well, think I wouldn't. For me, very much an enemy of the show. <laughs> I think he's an interesting guy. He's, you know, he's an interesting guy. Um, um, we could definitely do an episode on him, but I think particularly, yeah. um, you know, his his relationship with his dad is very interesting. Um, yeah, just yeah. just quickly as well. So 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 prior to the war of the fourth, fourth coalition, there, there was famously in the in the Prussian newspapers um, this big kind of call to war. And um, it was described yeah. in France as, as saber rattling, um, and there was this particular image of um, Prussian cavalrymen um, sharpening their blades on the, on the steps of the French embassy. Right. Ooh. So, I mean, can you can you think of anything more provocative? Uh, <laughs> I mean, not. It's, it's pretty. I mean, that's 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 quite rude, isn't it? So, <laughs> out of order. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty rude. So. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so you know for them to then be you know which i think you were then going to tell everyone um i don't think this is a spoiler at all that um you know pressure <laughs> is is resoundingly defeated after yeah. that um yeah it's it, well it's a kind of so, an example of hubris so that's what he says when he goes to front of the greatest tomb he said if he were alive we wouldn't be here mm. today um yeah yeah it's, it, exactly you know, it's yeah, also it's a, a sign yeah. of, of Prussia's kind of Prussia has a really interesting history. And we could do an episode on that. Yeah, Might of course. Yeah. Yeah. It has a waxing and waning of power throughout European de- kind of politics. De- definitely, definitely. Yeah. Very much here we're seeing the decline. Um, but we're we're coming up to mm. a, a an increase, an incline, uh, not too far after as well. So it's it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But here he makes a point of humiliating Prussia. And it yes. it actually people are academics postulate that like it's one of the one of the bad news that he does basically because he humiliates mm-hmm. um uh was it Frederick William um in Tilsit mm-hmm. where he basically yes. he has he he kisses Alexander the Tsar of Russia um mm. and they they have like a, a kind of a good friendship there they spend the whole night talking about enlightenment you yeah. know the, the enlightened uh monarch right as as a mm. as a concept but um Frederick William is not even allowed on the uh, on the barge you know he's kind of kicked out he's he's kind of Introducing themselves to conversations and and and, and, and the, the 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 irony of that as well is that Frederick the Great kind of solidified that as a concept the, of yeah. you know, the Enlightened Monarch, uh, yeah. particularly in his work um, anti Machiavellianism, which mm. is a is a counter against Machiavelli's concept of what a, a ruler should be. You know, i.e., to be um, 
uh, underhanded and, and um, you know, to use guile and subterfuge to kind of dominate your opponents. Um, but, you know, Frederick the Great's written work, uh, you know, with, with Voltaire as well, um, is, is kind of a counter to that. So th- mm. to then exclude the descendant of Frederick the Great from, from a conversation about that topic is, is particularly funny. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that adds so much more to the story, yeah. doesn't it? That, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's quite funny. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, the situation is very rocky and I mean, it is interesting to say Mm. about that, like where, um, Napoleon is kind of grooming, not grooming, but he's, he's kind of assuming Alexander will become an amicable kind of almost a a, a subservient kind of party. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He tries to impose impose a continental system on him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he does, but ultimately he, uh, Alexander rebels against that. Um, but it's a, it's very much kind of uh, it's almost like the beginning of the the apex for Napoleon's career. Um, I think Tilsit yeah. is you know the the um, very much a high point. That's probably the high point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, because not long after we've got the Peninsula War, which is a nightmare. Yes. Sucks. It is a bit of just, just before we get into that, shall we have a have a, a quick break? Oh, okay. Leave the the, the listeners in suspense. Let's do it. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're back again. So yeah, I hope, hope you had a good break. Um, and um, I hope our listeners enjoyed the lack of advertisement in our break. <laughs> only on this podcast by choice Um, by choice nothing else uh, purely by choice yeah so um (laughs) yeah so we were nearly at the end of napoleon the first um up until 1809 yeah so um we we ended on the peninsula war so it goes really badly it's basically a huge sink of time people money um it's quite cheeky because napoleon basically goes into Spain <laughs> to occupy Paris, uh, Portugal, right? And then yes, he's like, actually, yes. now that I'm here, I'll just chill here. I basically. might as well just, yeah, take Spain, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, um, you know, he's really looking to um, uh, resign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah to abdicate. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's seen as, like, one of the worst moves of, like, his career. Like, mm. it, it, it is the beginning of his downfall very, very yeah. much so. True, true. It's a big, big sink of time, money, and uh, manpower, isn't it? Yeah, and you know, people. Yeah, I, that think, have I think I think exactly. I, I think at its height, there's two hundred thousand uh, French soldiers in, in Spain. Mm, yeah. uh, you know, which could could have been used uh, somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and it's, it's so to go back to kind of Austria. It, this is kind of one of the reasons why um, the Fifth Coalition in eighteen oh nine gets set mm-hmm. up basically and uh, Austria sees that like they're hemorrhaging money and, and manpower and, yeah. and time into Peninsula War where they're fighting Britain and exactly um, yeah and um, they basically attack when they're weak um, mm-hmm. or at least preoccupied um, and Austria actually wins like a quite a major battle of Aspen Espling yes. which is um, Arshuk Chal I think was the commander there it's Napoleon's mm-hmm. first major defeat so it's his first defeat in 10 years since Accra mm-hmm in the Egyptian campaign. Yeah, true, true, yeah. A long time yeah, ago. Really yeah. And and that has like less of a, I mean, he kind of like just leaves us in that point, you know? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. But, uh, this is definitely like 
because they've they've started to adopt his tactics, they started to adopt the core system, mm. the use of artillery, and it starts to become a shifting point in a European kind of military strategy. Yeah, it's it's definitely a blow to his his sense of invincibility. You know, both both for yeah. him and for everyone else as well. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. Like Marshal Lan, one of his marshals, um, dies yeah. for like a ricochet of a cannonball. Um, I always is think it's quite. Is yeah, his legs, legs yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty gruesome if you can imagine that. And then they, they try um, to, like, do surgery on him, obviously without yeah. anesthetic. Um, it's it's quite, like, a tender moment. It's really sad, mm. I think, in, in the story of Napoleon because Lan was one of his closest, like, marshals. Yeah, one of his oldest friends as well, you know. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, after after this battle, we have Wagram, which is kind of what, the largest battle in Europe until that time. So, true, in terms yes. of people. Yeah. Um, and that, that's also seen as like a very, you know, top tier kind of battle from Napoleon. Yeah. Um, it's a multiple day war. I think it's a two day war, war, uh, sorry, battle. Um, mm-hmm. The battles become longer and longer and, and the casualties grow and grow and grow. Exactly. Um, you know, so, so we're, we're starting to see what will then, uh, you know, end up being, you know, like multi-day, multi-week battles. Um, yeah. Like you then get a hundred years later in the first world war. Um Yeah. And it is previously they would take hours. Yeah. I mean, Napoleon's whole strategy, generally speaking, is strike fast and strike hard, right? Mm, try, exactly, try and get yes. in and out as much as you can. Mm. Um, and this is kind of, you know, because people start to adopt his tactics and yeah. modernize their armies, it becomes more of a quagmire of, of you know, it's manpower. Slug, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but basically that kind of, that war is basically happening in Austria. It is against mm. Austria. And, um, France eventually wins, um, mm-hmm. and um, there are ter- territorial changes, which once again humiliate the Austrian, uh, mm. you know, uh, establishment. Uh, Austria loses over three million subjects, about one fifth of the total population, mm. um, as a result of these territorial changes. So it's it's crazy. It's um, you know, once again, they're cutting Austria down. It's it's not just like they're winning a battle; they're humiliating them with um, yeah, yeah, with, and uh, you know, trying to cripple economically as well. I think they lose access to the sea at this point. Um, yeah, so, so, is, so is this when France takes over uh, what is now Croatia? Yeah, the, the Illyrian provinces, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. So for a time, yeah, yeah, you yeah. have French, French, uh, Croatia, basically. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Which is quite, quite, quite a weird thought. <laughs> and um, it's, I mean, they, they dissolve the uh, Republic of Dubrovnik, for example, which is yeah. interesting. It's very much seen as a, as a bad moment for, you know, Dubrovnik was an independent mm. city-state for... A very long time up to that point, um, yeah, merchant, no, like, you know, hundreds of years, yeah, yeah, like a mercantile kind of, um, mm. right, almost you know, like a in the area at least, um, very much modeled or, or similar to uh, the model mm-hmm. of like Venice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it had a rector, um, yeah, which well, I mean, the Republic of Venice is also devolved, so uh, ex- dissolved exactly, yeah, as well, <laughs> so, yeah, quite, quite brutally, yeah. isn't it? He takes the horses, yeah, yeah. San Marco, um. Mm. Which they also took, so it's kind of a karma thing. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he, he is quite ruthless in, in, in the region, especially. Um, mm-hmm. But so Austria, basically, we're talking eighteen oh nine. You know, this is the fifth war of the the fifth coalition, um, and Austria is being defeated after defeat after defeat after defeat. Um, so what happens essentially is in eighteen oh nine, there's the Treaty of Schönbrunn, which is the the, mm-hmm. the treaty at the end of the war signed in Vienna um, and there's an attempt on Napoleon's life uh, by a guy with yes. a knife 
kind of a, a German nationalist or kind of an early kind of German nationalist. Uh, yeah, like, like a proto-German nationalist, yeah. I think he says something like long live Germany or something when he's being uh, shot upon mm. in the firing squad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it definitely um, brings to mind the problem of uh, succession to Napoleon because, you know, by this point, he is very much in his apex. He is a huge, you know, I mean, as you said, he's 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 far east at this point. His yeah, he's, he's, in his, he's in his 40s at this point as well, isn't he? yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know, so, normal to think about that definitely. Yeah, you know, so if 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 you think about like standard life expectancy at this time, it's probably in the well, you know, if if you're a an agricultural worker, it's, it's not too far off <laughs> off your forties. Um, yeah, you know, if and if you're in the kind of if you're an emperor like like Napoleon is, then mm. um, you know it, it can range from about you know the fifties to eighties, then. Um, yeah, he he should be thinking. This is a good time to think about succession. I'm, I mean, yeah, he he has. Way. I think, I think he has like twelve years left of his life, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but obviously he he doesn't know that. But no, yeah. he, he doesn't know. But yeah, you know, it's it's quite pressing. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so up to that point, basically, his kind of so so to go back to an earlier point which you mentioned about um, Josephine. Yeah. So Josephine was older than him. She had her yes. own children. Um, yes. However, by this point, she was unable to have children with Napoleon, basically. And so yes. there became a problem of the heir because Josephine, and his wife, was unable to, to bear him a child. So there's, there's, there's a theory about this where it's, um, it's not necessarily um, to do with you know, the fact that she's gone through the menopause, but it's, it's uh, also to do with the fact that she, um, she possibly had um, yeah. a few abortions. Yeah, as well, and obviously abortion at the time was very unsafe, you know, unregulated, yeah. um, and you know, involved very, very crude um, uh, implements as yeah, well. So abs- you know, there, there was absolutely. a lot, lot of damage that could be done during the procedure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, it, but it becomes an issue for him because he he's kind of betting on. Um, it's quite funny, actually. Josephine's daughter and Napoleon's brother, they get married. So yes. Hortense... Yeah, and they do, yeah. Which is quite bizarre, isn't it? I mean, that's very messed weird. up. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. They they have a child, but the, the child tragically passes away in 1807. Mm. So that was kind of the, the assumed heir um, for him. Yes, at least true. At least yeah. until there was yes, a... that be his nephew. Um, mm. But when, when that kind of presumed heir passes away then he really has to kick it into gear because like it does become an issue for him now. Um, you know, you, you obviously want to secure a succession for yourself, um, especially as an emperor, you know, it's, it's yeah. the last thing you want is for the empire to crumble. Um, you also like, scenario. you know, as you said, he's in his forties, he wants to groom his heir and, and teach the heir yeah. to like become in, in, impart some knowledge, etc. Right. So you can't just do like a last minute, born and, and out kind of, you know? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> That's so um, so that really shakes him him up basically and and the, the thing as well about napoleon so he he does have other children um he has like two yeah. illegitimate children that we know of of course yes um the the two that i kind of looked into for this episode are um one that was basically um in the employ of um caroline who's like his sister and the wife of Murat, one of his marshals, who eventually betrays him as the king of Naples. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, true. 
He's uh, so he has one son there called Charles Leon Denuel, and uh, Leon being Wait, half his I'm, name. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. So you, you implied it was by his sister, so. No, someone in the employ of his sister. So some, someone. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, everything's fine. Yeah, okay, cool. No, no, then it gets so really perfectly, perfectly reasonable. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but this guy is kind of like a gambler. It doesn't seem like he has a has a great uh, life. Um, yeah. And uh, the kind of the, the more favorite kind of uh, illegitimate child. Yes. Uh, it's, it's from uh, kind of what's seen as like his main or his his pri- his favorite mistress in that sense his fa- his, yeah his main mistress yeah which is a uh, mary valeska yeah. um so uh polish noblewoman um they mm. met i think you were mentioning before the call in in 1806 18- yeah yeah, which yeah i was surprised by because that, that's quite early that's before he actually went to poland what is now modern day poland yeah mm. um of course she spoke french and i think mm-hmm. there was always a, a big interchange with french and Polish yeah. and Russian and, and general vulnerability. So um, very interesting though. And uh, so she also had a son uh, with him called um, uh, Alexander uh, in 1810 was when he was born. And, and there are there are photographs of uh, of this guy. So if, 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 if yeah. you look at this guy and then a portrait of, uh, of Napoleon I, they look exactly the same. <laughs> they really do. They really, yeah. really do. It's it's pretty ridiculous, yeah. I mean, it's especially when he's older, right? Yeah, yeah. They, they look the spitting image of each other. So, like, they they did do like DNA tests of the descendants mm. of Napoleon and of uh, Alexander Valesky, and they yes. they did find them to be genetically related. Yeah, so, I, I mean, it looks like it would be a one hundred percent match, obviously. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you don't actually, need that. Whether, oh, that's, yeah. whether that's biologically possible or not, you know, like, yeah, yeah. that's what it looks like. <laughs> I mean, he had an interesting life because he was he was very much quite driven as well as an individual. Mm-hmm. It does lead to the question of like how much traits are hereditary? Because he also had quite big yeah, ambitions. In, question, yeah. like, um, he took part in the eighteen thirty <clears throat> November uprising in Poland um because he was born in poland near warsaw which uh, led to like um that uprising was very famous because it led to russia basically integrating poland as a mm. no longer autonomous state yeah mm. um because it was formed in 1815 congress of vienna which we'll talk about a little bit more yes, as a yes. puppet state but <laughs> yes it was fully integrated as a result of this uprising he then moved to paris um he became the foreign minister of france under napoleon iii which is really interesting as well. We can go back to that later. Very cool. <laughs> uh, Ministry of State as well. Um, he was instrumental in negotiating peace in the Crimean War. So very much a, a prolific, uh, successful man as well in his own right. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, famously one of Napoleon's illegitimate children, which I think is really interesting. Yes. Um, or at least... Well, and, 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 and as well, the, um, so it's, I think I believe it's only through his family does, does the line survive as well. Oh, really? Uh, to, ah. to, to the modern day. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting as well. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, you do think about it. It's only a few generations, really, isn't it? Like, to think about, I suppose, 18, yeah. you know, I don't know when he died, but he was alive in the 1850s, at least. So, mm. we're talking- well, I mean, well, I mean, I guess, I guess if you think about it, right, like, uh, I mean... <laughs> I mean, uh, I feel like I'm getting old now. I don't know about you, but <laughs> but uh, you know, being being born, uh, you know, twenty twenty eight years ago. But, um, yeah, but, you, but if you, if you think about it, right, like you know, like uh, our our great grandparents were probably born in um, 
what the the late 1910s yeah. uh yeah. right yeah. so that's that's three generations removed and then if you add um probably well if you think people had babies earlier in the 19th century so maybe True. um i don't know five generations in the 19th century so that, that's probably about eight, only eight generations removed isn't it so yeah very much yeah. so. I mean, it's, it's there yeah, are photos. It's not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. yeah there's photographs. Yeah. It's, 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 it's not that long ago. Crazy. So, in, I suppose, in, in the scheme of history, anyway, it's not that long. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah that's true as well. Because I suppose mm. the, the problem of someone that does study history for like this amount of time is you do kind of yeah. almost it minimizes the length of time that actually passes, right? It, it has for me 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's a year, whatever, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. On, you know? I've only years <laughs> yeah. the long ago. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, I suppose what this goes to show is that he, Napoleon the First, at least, is creating children. Um, but yeah, yeah, he isn't he's, he's fertile. He's yeah. able to. True. Um, yes. Which, you know, it's kind of, it seems weird to say, but it is kind of an important point because he needs a legitimate child, at least for yeah, yeah. political... Well, well he, he is aware that he is fertile, there, basically, and, and, yeah. and therefore he knows that his, his wife, Josephine, is infertile. Yeah, yeah. Which is the tragedy, because like, as we said, they, yeah. they definitely were on very good terms and it, I think it pained them both to be divorced. They stayed in contact. Oh, they still exchanged letters, yeah, 100%, yeah. but they had to get divorced. Basically, I think he he basically mm. made the bishop of Paris like say it was mm. an illegitimate wedding or something. I, I can't remember the exact ins and outs of it, but it was yeah, it, very was, it was some kind of bureaucratic <laughs> wrangling, and 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 also you know because of the uh, the concordat with um with the pope. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he kidnapped uh, the pope. But, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, you know, which is which is um, celebrated uh, by Place de la Concorde in, in Paris, um, Place of the Concorde. Um, base, basically, that meant that Napoleon appointed the bishops. So, you know, yeah, yeah, you would do what your boss tells you to do. But then he had a rocky, rocky relationship with the Pope. I mean, he, he famously crowned himself, right? He wouldn't, he wouldn't accept anyone above him. Um, no, it was it was the French people that crowned him. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and he, um, he is the instrument of them. Crowned, certainly placed, not placed yeah. it on his head. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the official line, anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't the Pope or any no, any. It wasn't, uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> um, unlike Charlemagne, for example, right? Yeah, uh, who he was emulating in some way. Um, yeah. or Clovis. Um, for him. So true. Yes. Um. It's how I got the B right was was this, uh, that's a whole different conversation but the B yeah. comes from yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about the B another time I think <laughs> um, so, so where are we date wise so we are in 1809 yeah. which is when oh great okay so actually we're in 1810 because he divorces Joseph oh brilliant okay oh yeah okay and he oh, married not brilliant they got divorced that's sad but, yeah. <laughs> brilliant. brilliant they were in 1810 but we are finally stepping into the corner or turning the corner where the, the subject at hand, which is Napoleon II, becomes part yeah. of the picture, right? Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, so, so, so I just do like a really quick, like, what's going on geopolitically kind of thing. Please do. Yeah, sure. All right, cool. So, um, yes, you know, so after beating uh, Austria in the War of the, in the, in the, War of the Fifth Coalition, um, yep. you know, he then re returns to Paris, um, and the main issue there is uh, the loss of manpower. So, um, 
you know, he's he's increasingly having to recruit increasingly young people to be in his armies, uh, which is which isn't great. Um, obviously, because that means there's less agricultural labor available, um, which is the backbone of the French economy at the time, which is still very much a pre-industrial economy. Um, yeah, and then uh, because of uh, Tsar Alexander's um, uh, his uh, well, I don't want to say refusal, but but the fact that he doesn't he doesn't go along with the continental He's system, i.e., it's, it's a like... big, yeah, it's it's <laughs> a bit. The whole point is to embargo Britain from Europe. Um, so Alexander doesn't go along with that. I mean, to be fair, that makes sense geopolitically for Russia because yeah, most of the most of the trade Russia has is via the Baltic at the time, and uh, the biggest market for Russian goods. Uh, on the Baltic Sea route is Britain, right? You know, because the population at the time is about twenty million, um, yep. whereas Denmark is uh, is <laughs> much smaller than that, um, <laughs> and that 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 would be the main external uh, export market uh, would be De- Denmark and Britain, um, mm. really. Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, because obviously this is pre-railway, um, so most most trade is by sea. Um, yeah, so yeah. so Tsar Alexander goes against the continental system. Uh, he then invades Russia famously, um, and we could do a whole episode on the invasion of Russia. Uh, but, series but, but, yeah, a series of episodes. So you know, he he gets to Moscow. He he uh, defeats the Russian army every time he meets them. Uh, but you know, it's the winter. It's the Russian winter that gets to him, uh, and they have all these issues like where it gets so cold that gunpowder doesn't work anymore. So you try and light a cannon, it doesn't work because it's too cold <laughs> or um you know yeah. uh it gets so cold that they see um uh through the freeze thaw process any on anyone that remembers um that part of science uh gcse <laughs> science or um I, I can't remember what they even do they even call them gcse this is how i know i'm old I, <laughs> that's not that's not <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter but but basically through the, through the um freeze thaw process some trees actually explode because it's so cold around Damn. them just kind of like randomly um because yeah, the water expands right or some, something crazy yeah it's just it's, it must be pretty disconcerting <laughs> um yeah so they get they get to moscow uh moscow is set alight by saboteurs russian saboteurs yeah. Isn't it, right? um so yeah exactly yeah so they they can't actually use it as shelter over the winter um properly um so they then march back to paris uh but are then picked off by the winter and um by mm. cossack cavalrymen along the way Loses a huge amount, hundreds of thousands of, of people die um, uh, in the French army alone on that. So uh, he then returns to Russia and uh, then, so we talked about recruiting increasingly young people. He then has to recruit um, people sorry, that he, are... He returns to France. Yeah, sorry, sorry, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he then has to recruit people that are uh, what he refers to are in the... Um, uh, so you have the the uh, the jean guard, the young guard, um, who can be as young as sixteen, and the the core recruits themselves are also called uh, uh, after, um, yeah, I guess after Mary Louise, uh, who we will talk about <laughs> immediately after this, um, are called the Mary Louise's because Mary uh, Mary Louise is very very young; she's about eighteen when she marries Napoleon. I mean, uh, they're, they're, they're scraping the barrel, basically. Like that's that's the yeah, thing. So yeah, like, we're talking fifteen, sixteen-year-olds uh, yeah. being in, being enlisted into the into the French army via conscription. Um, if you'd like to talk about Mary Louise now, <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Thank you for the overview yeah. as well. I mean, very much as as you can tell by, by listening that like 
It's a it's yeah. a fall from grace for sure compared to the the, the kind of the victories. It's a huge defeat, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It really sucks. It's and bad. I mean, yeah, <laughs> um, we we definitely could, and maybe we should eventually do a series on that. I mean, it's yeah. it's a insanely long topic, and yes. it's taking so much self control to not go further into the discussion, yeah, I mean, isn't we're, it? We're, we're going we're going over way over time than we planned as as is. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so we're, Mary we're, Louise, we're, we're very passionate about this. I'm sure you can tell. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, we are. Yeah. So Mary Louise basically is his new wife. Um, mm-hmm. So they divorce. Uh, Josephine and Napoleon divorce in 1810, and Mary Louise is 18. Um, the daughter of Francis II, so Francis I mm-hmm. of Austria. Confusingly, mm-hmm. um, essentially. So we've been talking a lot about Austria today. Um, yes. for a reason, it's not the only person he's been fighting, but he's yes. been focused on Austria <laughs> because he has been fighting Austria consistently for over a decade now. Right. Um, yeah, his it's, it's, nemesis, it's the most consistent em- enemy, isn't it? Yeah. Like every yeah. coalition has involved Austria basically. Yeah. And, and they, they continue to get defeated. They continue to lose land mm. directly because mm-hmm. of him and his humiliating treaties. So Austria is not his friend. Right. But no. what he basically wants <laughs> to do is. I suppose you could make the argument, and some people do, some people don't. Um, but Napoleon is fighting most defensive wars in the sense where these coalitions are forming against him um, in response mm. to his actions, but they're forming against him and they're declaring war on him, right? So it's kind yeah, of. It, I mean, that, that is factually true. So <laughs> he is a victim of the yeah. snowball effect where, like, he def- defends, but also over, over accomplishes his defense, so to speak. Um, mm. uses it as an opportunity to expand his, you know, uh, territory, um, which then leads to further offense against him, right? So, yeah, not to convolute the sentence, but he basically, you know, he's 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 only defending against acts of aggression against him, which he's taken advantage of, right? Yeah. Um, and Austria very much is losing the gamble every single time, pretty much, right? Like they're they're hoping to extend their territorial claims. They're losing them and losing land altogether. Yeah, and, right? and most importantly, get rid of him. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's a war against him more so than the country, right? Isn't isn't that one of the def, def, definitely? Yeah, and and the the ideas of the French Revolution as well. Yeah, because of course, like that is very problematic to the 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 monarchs at the time, um, especially mm. in. in uh, imperial kind of um, i mean on a basic level i mean you know if if you put the french revolution to one side you know with uh you know uh the concepts of liberty egality and fraternity um mm. but then the, the concept alone that um you know someone who you know if if you're an austrian emperor uh someone who's effectively a random person uh can become the leader of a great power of europe yeah um, is is extremely disconcerting <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and then can enact all these reforms, um, you know, like, um, you know, in, instituting public schooling uh, yeah. and, um, you know, emancipating. Yeah, the Code uh, Napoleon, Jew- right? Like- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, emancipating Jewish people as well, you know, to make Jewish people full citizens um, mm-hmm. in Europe, which uh, was, was not the case prior to Napoleon. Um <laughs> good point yes yes yeah very good point um then yeah that's extremely disconcerting you know um as as an austrian emperor so that that's the main reason why they keep going to war against him yeah it's an ideological very very much an ideological yes it is, is yeah it's an ideological war yeah so napoleon is trying to 
create his succession and his kind of geopolitical or his you know just general political uh, mindset is of course he wants to solidify his uh, dynasty with uh, marrying into another powerful dynasty in Europe so his primary yeah. choice is um, Grand Duchess Anna Pavlovna of Russia um, who's the younger sister of Tsar Alexander which is great because Tsar Alexander and him get along well well they did at least until certain yeah, on, on a personal level anyway yeah yeah. Um, but Sir Alexander is very neurotic. He's very, one day he says this, one day he says this. He's very young as well. He's yes. surrounded by yes men in a very quickly developing uh, political <laughs> situation in yeah, Russia. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think the, uh, the Tsarist court is famous for its, um, <laughs> its, its various, you know, crazy <laughs> uh, shifts in, you know, who's, who's the best advisor, who's the next advisor, uh, yeah. and very kind of malleable Tsars as well. <laughs> Um, and obviously, like Napoleon wants to marry uh, or kind of create a truce or an alliance between Russia and himself, mm-hmm. because it essentially that turns Europe into a, a sandwich of France and Russia yes. and everything in between, yeah. right? And it kind of is mm-hmm. how it is seen, right? Except, of course, Austria is in the very middle of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's flanked by both these things, and it's it's done very well through um, you know Metternich, who's you know, the architect of, of Austrian foreign policy very much so at that time, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, is playing very delicately into keeping Russia on his side. Um, mm. You know, an alliance between France and Russia would be terrible for Austria, especially. For, for Austria, um, yeah. Yeah. And so um, the, the Russians aren't very keen on it anyway. They Napoleon sends insistent, like, letters on on getting it going. And they, <laughs> they don't even reply to him. They, they leave him on red, literally. Um, wow. And he's like, Do you know what? I can take a hint. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, it's, it's just rude, really, isn't it? It is rude. <laughs> the, the audacity. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty rude. Yeah. And so, you know, he obviously, he can take a hint eventually. Um, and so he marries Mary Louise, um, who is from the Austrian um, mm-hmm. court, of course, daughter of Francis I, the, the, the emperor of uh, Austria. Uh, also a good deal for him. I mean, you know, essentially in that trinity of France, Austria, and Russia, one mm. of them is going to feel um, threatened by whichever marriage is entered into, right? So I suppose True, if you imagine yeah. an alliance between Austria and France, in theory, if Austria is no longer the enemy, the perennial enemy of France, then, mm. it's you know, if I was Russia, for example, I'd be very scared by that prospect. You know, they, yeah. they constantly yeah. go to war and now they're going to team up, right? Um, so, uh, in theory, it's a great idea. They get married in 1810, 11th of March. Uh, what's really funny is that Mary Louise isn't actually present at the wedding. She's represented by Archduke Charles, who's like been Napoleon's like nemesis, you know, like he's been, he was yeah, in Vancouver. That's, 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 pretty, that's pretty weird. <laughs> um, <Crazy. laughs> yeah. um, I mean, obviously, obviously that is known to happen from time to time in this period, but it is, it's fairly uncommon. Um, it's, it's normally if, uh, you know, if you're a private individual, it, it would be, if you really want to inherit your spouse's, uh, holdings ASAP, yeah. um, that's normally why you would do it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's fairly unusual. Um, I mean, it's, I'm just imagining it. Like I'm just fairly imagining romantic as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. 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 Um, and so. They, they meet for the first time on the 27th of March. Mm. Um, she says, you're much better looking than your portrait, uh, which is funny. 
Um, that's nice of her. Yeah, that, that's nice. Yeah, could have yeah. been just bad portrait, I suppose. Um, yeah. But she becomes pregnant very shortly after in July 1810. Um, yes, and she gives birth to a son on the 20th of mm-hmm. March 1811. So very, very shortly after. Um, their marriage is fine. You know, they start on pretty neutral terms. They end up. I mean, I, mean, I, I think. I think I think a big difference between uh, this marriage and the one to Josephine is, um, mm. you know, J- Josephine is very much his. Uh, uh, he sees her as his intellectual equal. Yeah, in, in basically every way. Uh, whereas you know he almost has this kind of paternalistic relationship with Mary Louise, you know, because she's so much younger. You know, uh, she's eighteen; he's in his forties. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> that's, more that than double her age. Yeah, that'd be, be a pretty weird pairing if it were to happen these days. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's it's pretty odd, uh, you know, by today's standards. Um, yeah, so it's, he he doesn't he does not see her as his intellectual equal. Um, and if if you look at how he writes about her and um, what yeah. what, he, what they do together, shall we say, then. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he's he kind of kind of objectifies her uh, much more than he would do say with well, um, he objectifies her in, in an unintellectual way, much much yeah. more than he does than say with Josephine. Yeah, very very true, and it's very much a marriage of like necessity. It's it's a it's a yeah a pragmatic. So he's, he's definitely enjoying it if you, if you read, yeah. if you read uh, what he has to say about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. basically, um, they have a child together very shortly mm-hmm. after, um, that is Napoleon the second. So oh. <laughs> I don't need to do like a trap porn here or something, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it only took us however long it took. Yeah. Um, <laughs> against our best attempts, like, of yeah, we, we tried, <laughs> we tried our best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> but but here, here we are, Napoleon the uh, Second. Yeah, so, so do you want I to mean, does about... he... Sorry. Yeah, I, I was, was going to say. Was... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say if you want to talk a little bit about um, yeah. the climate in Europe, basically after the yeah. Congress of Vienna, the after fall of the Napoleon. Okay, I mean, I, I just quickly do after the retreat from Russia, real quick. So, so oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so after the retreat from Russia, you know, everyone's like, aha, like, yeah, he's weak, let's get him. So, um, so even though you got married to Mary Louise, Austria is straight in there, uh, yeah. trying, trying again to, to get rid of him. Crazy. Um, you've also got Britain uh, fighting in Portugal and Spain um, under the, uh, you know, uh, under Arthur Wellesley, the Duke of Wellington. Um, and uh, so, few, yeah, that's uh, a, few eye rolling now. <laughs> well, I'm so hoping to leave that, um, <laughs> that implicit. <laughs> but I mean, I eye roll if you want. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I mean, but basically, you know, for particularly for our, our British listeners who are, who are most of our listeners, um, you know, the, uh, the, <laughs> you know, the reason we're saying that is is obviously you know because. Because in Britain we we are often taught, uh, you know, as as with most things, right? You know, Britain was the most important um, part of you know of world history, like of all world history, right? Um, but but most mostly for this period, uh, in a military sense, anyway, it's it's only really becomes um, relevant during the Peninsular War, yeah. and then obviously later during the, the, yeah, uh, the Trafalgar as well. 
I suppose. But... Yeah, yeah, fair. That's very fair. Yeah, yeah. Trafalgar and also and also the Egyptian campaign, true. But but you know, for, from the period where he's he yeah. crowns himself emperor, um, this is this is the first time they don't really win any battles, right? Like, really, apart no, from no, no, no. yeah, no, it's yeah. it's much more an economic uh, war. Um, yeah. You know, for about uh, yeah, for about um, yeah, probably about seven years. Yeah. But you know, this this is a very fast paced period. So yeah, uh, you know, yeah. You, you've had five coalitions in, in, in like seven years. Um, yeah. So yeah. So this this sixth coalition. Um, then there's the uh, the Battle of Leipzig, uh, which is uh, a, a another huge defeat for Napoleon. Obviously, at um, yeah, guess guess where it was? It was at Leipzig. Yeah. So um, um, and that's that's the largest battle in Europe, uh, I yeah. believe, until they get bigger and bigger, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, I believe I believe that's the largest until the First World War. Um, yeah. Yeah, in, involving huge amounts of of men. So if you compare, it's also called the Battle just, of the just, Nations, right? That's very true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, everyone's involved. Um, uh, but if if you compare, you know, Napoleon's first uh, campaigns in in northern Italy, you know, he's he's commanding about thirty thousand, twenty thousand troops. Now he's commanding, uh, you know, eight hundred thousand. Um, that's that's a huge difference. <laughs> um, uh, you know, in in scale and and uh, you know, loss loss of human life and um, and every, everything else. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so he, he loses there. He then fights a very uh, clever defensive campaign in in France itself, uh, but then is um, uh, I think most people, particularly French historians, um, would say he was then betrayed by his brother, uh, who was in command of yeah. Paris, uh, who then um, surrenders. Uh, I mean, I think, the, the... I believe to the Russian. Oh, yeah. sorry. The, the the French campaign. I mean, it's. I think it even it even uh, it is even seen by um, uh, Duke of Wellington as like a, a very much a um, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the like masterpieces of his like military yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's seen as one of the best campaigns he did. Yeah, and but but then you know it's um to yeah to to <laughs> to, to borrow a, a World War One metaphor. He's you know it's the kind of like the stab in the back theory. You know, so yeah. um, he's he's then uh, kind of you know stabbed in the back by his brother who's in who's in charge because he's like frantically Paris. going back and forth through France. He's like attacking yeah, yeah, like kind France. of winning every battle. Yeah, basically amazing you know, like, stuff. Like, Swatting away um, these huge armies. You know, with with that, with again, he's back to this very small amount of yeah. troops. Um, you know, yeah. I think maximum forty thousand men. And that's where he um, excels, right? It's like a mobile right. thrusting yeah, force it's, it's, in and out well, kind of thing. You know, on a human level, it's much more manageable, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, um, so, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so then, you know, then he has to uh, abdicate. Uh, he, he tries to poison himself, uh, very similar to um, uh, various classical figures. Mm. Um, but the the, the poison losses lost his potency, didn't it? Because yeah, he, uh... yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, so he's 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 trying to emulate Cato uh, in Carthage. Um, yeah, when he's fighting Julius Caesar, uh, who, who then poisons himself. Um, but yes, the the poison loses his potency, uh, and then possibly gives him stomach cancer later on. Yeah, uh, but but he doesn't die basically. So so he's exiled to Elba, um, and then that's when he's separated from. Napoleon the second and uh and Mary Louise but before before he yeah. abdicates he tra- he makes his son king of Rome 
And the yes. idea is what he ho- what he hopes is that he can abdicate, but his son will remain um, be his successor, right? And he he believes that because uh, you know hopefully the son will be legitimized in the eyes of um, um, of the other European powers by being um, the son of Marie Louise and therefore the the House of Austria. Yeah, uh, but, they, he, but no, they don't do that. So yeah, <laughs> he is like technically emperor, um, the, the son that is uh, from mm. June twenty second to July seventh. He's technically the emperor. I mean, that's, until that's the longer than that's longer than Lady Jane Grey, isn't it? So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, but he's he's a baby at this point. But of course, yeah, yeah like, I mean, he's he's like two, isn't he? How old is he? Uh, I think he's three. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah it doesn't matter really I mean, yeah i mean you know he's 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 he doesn't he's not an adult is he so yeah <laughs> and th- that is the last time that he saw his son uh which is in 1814 um yes the last time he saw his wife as well um which is when he embraced him for the last time and uh mm. was uh, exiled to elba which actually was a pretty sweet mm. deal compared to what he had in saint helena which is the second exile yeah, um, no, but he, he had a great time in Elba, yeah, by all yeah. accounts, basically. <laughs> I mean, I think I would have a great time in Elba, yeah. <laughs> he, like, clocked it, I didn't he? He came there, he, like, reformed everything, he made, the, like, the streets nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think there's still a mineral water that's that was actually started by him, uh, that's, that's produced in Elba, uh, that, that he marketed to, yeah, to, uh, to me in Italy. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, he he came back. He he lost at Waterloo, and then he got sentenced to exile yes. in in Saint Helena. And this actually overlaps with the Congress of Vienna. Ooh, <laughs> so, yes. um, so so weirdly, okay. So um, so you know he's exiled, um, and then the Congress of Vienna starts. So you know by Congress, you know obviously you know we think about that normally in English in the American sense as some kind of. Uh, one of the bicameral chambers of the the American legis- uh, legislature, um, but in this sense, what it means is literally people coming together to discuss things. Is what it means. Um, yeah, so it, it begins in September of eighteen fourteen, um, and then actually ends in June of eighteen fifteen. So they're actually <laughs> talking in the Congress of Vienna while Napoleon is is leading up to Waterloo. So they're yeah. kind of pretending that's not happening. <laughs> while, they're t- while they're talking about it, which doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? Um, so it's it's chaired by uh, Metternich, um, who uh, I've heard it pronounced in, an Aust- in the Austrian way, and it sounds much better than, than, it, does, than it does in the British pronunciation. Um, yeah, it's it's a nice name. It sounds much better in German. Um, uh, so, yeah, so he was, as I just said earlier, he was he was foreign minister at the time, um, and the main goal of, of Metternich was to achieve a balance of power in Europe, which is, is very much a uh, what we normally associate in Britain with uh, kind of British foreign policy for mm. basically this period leading up to forever, <laughs> more or less, yeah. um, where you want Europe to be stable, uh, you don't want anyone to be too big, uh, too powerful, um, everyone to kind of like kind of self-regulate each other. Um yeah, and less officially, uh, but very much implicitly, um, its aim its aim is to, to suppress revolutionary uh, bourgeoisie, uh, uh, sorry, bourgeois ideas. You know, so liberalism, um, the concept of uh, you know, like uh, free universal public schooling, <laughs> um, you know, like uh, the, the idea of the rights of man, the, all these kind of things, right? 
Um, so, yeah, yeah. And, and also involves a number of territorial changes. So the big territorial winners are Prussia, uh, Russia and Austria. So Prussia gains um, large parts of Poland uh, and uh, Pom- Pomerania, which, uh, you know, also modern, is modern day Poland. Um, and Russia gains most of Poland. Um, Austria gains uh, large parts of northern Italy and also Poland. So, so Poland is, as you know, as you can hear, is, is the big loser here. Uh, apart from France, um, also Saxony is a big loser here. Uh, Saxony is annexed by uh, by Prussia as well. Also um, linked to Poland, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so basically, every European European power is invited to this. Uh, but interestingly, uh, I thought I thought very interestingly, particularly off the back of our previous podcast, the Ottoman Empire is not invited. Ooh. Just let that sink in. I, I, thought that, I, I thought I think that's incredibly significant because um, yeah. if you think about a hundred, hundred years earlier, yeah. the political uh, gravitas and impact of the Ottoman Empire, and even then in um, in eighteen fourteen, the the change where they, they don't even bother inviting them, um, despite the mm. fact most of the Balkans, you know, Greece still at this point. Is still Ottoman, uh, Wallachia, uh, you know, large parts of modern-day Romania, um, yeah. north of the Danube, um, and Moldova are, are still Ottoman, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. no, yeah, they are literally seen as irrelevant. Um, I suppose they, they weren't really they weren't really a part of the um, Napoleonic Wars as well. It's, it's kind of interesting to see that too. Yeah. They, well, I mean, I, I guess I guess you know they uh, they they defeated him at Acre, you know, so. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. yeah, obviously, you know, with with British help, but, but it's interesting that how Ottomans didn't pounce on Austria as much as they could have done when they were preoccupied, this especially in, in Western Europe. Yeah, you know? no, very, very, very good point. I, I believe at this time they're mostly involved in uh, wars against Persia. Right. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, if our listeners would like to let me know if I'm wrong, <laughs> um, but I believe that's what's going on. Um, and also uh, the uh, beginnings of the um, Nizam Isidid uh, reforms, the New Model Army reforms, which involves a lot of internal uh, infighting. Uh, but 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 we'll uh, we'll move move away from Ottoman politics for this, <laughs> for this particular yeah. episode. Well, and, one episode uh, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll try not to mention it next next episode. So, um, yeah. So also uh, also interesting. Uh, so France has to pay subsidies. Um, which you know, if you if you translate that to Treaty of Versailles language, you know, rep- are you reparations um, to yep. the uh, the victorious powers? That's quite interesting. And um, you know, building on if if you look at the various treaties um, that you that you know that have ha- that have happened in Europe, like big treaties like this, you know, you have the Treaty of Westphalia, um, this the Congress yep. of Vienna, and then the Treaty of Versailles, um, yep. and then eventually you know onto the Nuremberg Trials. Um, all, all of these are meant to limit war in Europe and hopefully, um, you know, some, some of them are trying to end it for good, like the Treaty of Versailles, mm. um, and particularly the Nuremberg Trials, um, but some are kind of meant to regulate it and, and make it um, more predictable. So this is very much in, the, in, in that tradition. And, uh, you know, building on the Treaty of Westphalia, which happened in, in 1642, um, yeah, so over 150 years earlier, um, yeah. the a big a big theme of this is kind of saying that okay, so the borders of France are this, and the borders of Austria are this, and therefore 
you know, it's trying to limit kind of conquest, territorial conquest in that in that sense, and therefore the incentive to to go to war. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. I thought very interesting. So, so the slave trade was condemned in the Congress mm. of Vienna. Uh, obviously, Britain had had abolished the slave trade, but not not slavery itself um, in eighteen oh seven. So that that I, one can assume that was a, that was a British um, uh, addition to to the Congress. Um, yeah, which I thought I thought was very interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. You know the the irony being, uh, you know, prior to that, Britain was the main slave trader in Europe, um, mm. and then um, yeah. So so Britain. So in terms of territorial changes for, for Britain itself, um, so Britain expanded its Caribbean and, and Indian colonies at the expense of um, the uh, what is now the Netherlands and uh, and France, uh, and then just quickly, I'm going to go on to some quick. <laughs> Uh, legacies of the Congress. Um, so I'm going to try and whiz through this as quickly <laughs> as possible. So um, yeah, so I, I think you know. So, so for most people at the time, you know, particularly in the in the bourgeoisie uh, of Europe, they viewed this as a reaction to revolutionary ideals and uh, kind of the, the kind of the triumph of of uh, conservatism. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the, these directly led to you previously mentioned the 1830 revolution in uh, in, Vors- in Warsaw. Uh, there's also an 1830 revolution in uh, in France as well, um, mm. and then leading on from that, the the 1848 revolutions, um, you know, for which the Communist Manifesto was famously rushed in in time for. Right, right, um, right, right. Yeah, it it also uh, solidified the emancipation of um, of Jewish people in Europe as well. So to give them mm. full legal rights um, as citizens. Um, yeah, which is is a, is a big step. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, you know, basically, you know, equal rights based on on religion, uh, and then it establishes Metternich as uh, the statesman, basically the you know the premier statesman of Europe uh, up until his yeah. death in the in the eighteen fifties, um, and also as well. So so for, for for me me myself, so someone that um, studied the the Thirty Years' War. Uh, fairly extensively at university, so this this reminded me a lot you know, of the um, the Council of Trent, which mm-hmm. uh, I hope all of our listeners know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'll just I, I mean, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. So 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 just just quickly. So the Council of Trent is is the the Catholic Church's um, kind of planned reaction to the rise of Protestantism, and, and it's a way to reinvent itself to combat Protestantism. So this this is similar in the sense that it's it's uh, the Armstrong regime, which we haven't actually mentioned yet as a, as a concept. Yeah. Um, but the uh, you know kind of the old European order of um, kings and emperors uh, with serfs and uh, uh, you know p- people with unequal rights in in, in their territories. Rigid class structure. Um, yeah, it's, it, very very rigid. Yeah, very very rigid class structure. Um, so it's it's the uh, resurgence of of that concept against revolutionary uh, French ideals. Um, so it's, it's it's similar in that sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, I thought it was, it was fascinating. There were photographs of Met, of Metternich yeah. as well, um, which is you know is it's kind of weird because he's he's only. Uh, he's only about four years younger than Napoleon. So, um, so you know, if, if Napoleon lived a bit longer, we could have had photographs of him. But I guess we have his son; they look the same. So, uh, you know, obviously yeah. by his son, I mean his Polish son. Um, 
yeah and then uh yeah that's that that's the congress of vienna basically i mean yeah that's that's a that's a great <laughs> I tried like, to tag that out sorry <laughs> yeah man i mean yeah it's 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 such a huge aspect of uh modern really kind of uh, shall we take a break <laughs> let, let's take a break <laughs> We hope you enjoyed the prologue. And now, on to the author's note. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, good, good, good to be back, yeah. Um, yeah, so now to actually talk about Napoleon II's life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> the, 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 I suppose the, the most tragic thing in the... yeah. I mean, it isn't customary fashion I mean, for us. I mean, it's, it's all pretty tragic, isn't it? <laughs> but like, it is so kind of ahead, classic yeah. for us to like talk about the context more than the topic at hand. In this 100%. particular case, <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean, so, is... so just 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 quickly for for everyone, uh, you know. So I, I have this thing where so um, uh, my 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 wife always makes fun of me for whenever I re- like recount anecdotes or anything. <laughs> apparently, I always give way too much context, like uh, <laughs> unnecessary context. And then by the time I get to the actual story, everyone's kind of a bit confused and they don't really know what, <laughs> what, where it's going. <laughs> so I, I think this is a bit similar. <laughs> but I think, I think um, in this particular yeah. case, we're allowed yes. to do it because exactly. the story well, of Napoleon II yes. is so predicated on the story of Napoleon I that it, we'd be remiss not to talk about Napoleon I in the depth that we've talked about because the Austrian relation to him is so important. It wouldn't make sense otherwise, yeah, exactly. It really wouldn't, yeah. So we, we are excused for our... Um, I mean, what, <laughs> why are Bollywood films four hours, you know, because um, <laughs> you need the context, right? Are we are we the Bollywood film of history podcasts? Is that <laughs> I how we've established ourselves? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, I like it. Um, <laughs> so... The, thank you for listening to the the preface. <laughs> yes. Now onto the actual subject. The, the, the blurb. The blurb of. Uh... <laughs> it is. It is much like the brothers Karamazov, where we've we've talked about the the death. That's true. Yeah. I mean, we've gone full circle, haven't we? <laughs> um, so Napoleon II, yes, nicknamed Leglon or the Eaglet, which is <laughs> such a sad thing as well, because obviously Napoleon's symbol was the eagle, um, yes. among others. Um, and the eaglet, so the, the mm. small eagle that I suppose never really yeah. managed to fly. Um, it's kind of like cute eagle, though. Yeah. yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, the thing is, like, when I was doing research for this episode, I was like, I don't want this to be... Um, cause, mm. Like, Napoleon II very much had an awareness of his life being yeah, such a, like, short thing. And uh, the quote at the top of the show where we talked about um, how his, his birth and his death basically mark his whole story he was very much aware of that being his situation and i, I, I didn't want <laughs> yeah I, I wanted to give him some dignity in the sense where like mm. i think his story is the story of so much um you know potential right momentum mm. and it's just not coming to fruition it's really sad that we have to punctuate it with the tragedy of his death because i, I think it's more than uh not coming to fruition i think it's uh you know he's he's kind of deliberately caged yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like a like like a bird, you know, um, so that he doesn't do anything like what Ooh. his dad did, you know. But then for 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 him to catch a glimpse of it and then, you know, to 
to, so he died at 21, right? Which is like mm. insane. I mean, it's, it's, this is where it becomes tragic. And I, I'm, I'm drawn to the story because it, I do feel obviously it's like this podcast in general, I'm working more in the creative sphere of things. I'm working in like animation and, and film and stuff. And what I love about history is the potential for stories and, and narrative, right? And, and storytelling yeah. in general. And to me, this is like such a, um, such a good story, you know? Um, and I hate mm. to boil it down to that because it is someone's life that, that lived, but you know, it's, it's, it would make for a great film. It's, is what I'm saying. Basically. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, it would make for like a really good, like, um, quiet French film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like a slow kind of like slow burn where mm, you kind of yeah. tear up towards the end. <clears throat> um, so Napoleon II, born in 1811 on March the 20th, his full name, Napoleon Francois Charles Joseph Bonaparte. Um, that's a ba- badass. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's um, born of the cool, Tuileries. Right? Um, and by, by all accounts, so um, it definitely seemed like Napoleon I, the father, very, very much in love with his son, very much cherished his son. Um, yeah. He would play with him, he would play little tricks on him. Uh, in like a in, you know in a fun way, um, yeah. but his his mother, for example, she has a quote. Where she says, "I do not see how anybody can kiss a child." For example, in response to how yeah, uh, I mean, like, she's 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 pretty cold to uh, Napoleon II for basically his whole life. Which is, yeah, which is, it's quite sad. sad. Yeah, he he only sees her four times from eighteen seventeen to eighteen twenty six, which is crazy because <laughs> he, so he's what he's, he's he's six. Oh my god! <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so that goes so, to show. So kind what, of, what is what is he doing in in that period? Is he at school or something? Or so Napoleon. So he's. So she's the Duchess of Parma is her official yeah. title. Yeah, so she in, leaves in Parma. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, she has why is, like. Why the, doesn't he? Why doesn't he go with her? Like. Uh, he he basically goes to Vienna. He, so he's he's raised. I think Francis of Austria basically Francis yeah. the first mentioned a lot. He he's quite protective of him, and he's he is quite mm. affectionate towards him. I think he he does have love towards him. I mean, it sounds like a, a cage to me, honestly. Like, I know, but yeah, but <laughs> I think. I'd rather be caged, but affection, you know, feeling affection than mm. just I mean, maybe, maybe, mother, maybe, maybe, maybe at that age. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, we have, we've talked about, um, the new Harry Prince Harry book, um, before the show and like, yeah, maybe, maybe let's <laughs> not talk about it. What <laughs> <laughs> um, I would yeah. say is that he definitely had a complex as well regarding the mother, um, and the father okay. in this case. Um, but, it seems it seems from some accounts that I've seen like uh, Francis definitely was quite affectionate towards him. He let him sit by him at the table um, when they were eating together. He he definitely That's had nice. like he he you know he yeah. gave him his own name, called him Franz, um, of course, um, an abbreviation of, of Francis um, and Francois, which they had the same name, named after him. Oh yeah, of um, course. Yeah. He named it. He kind of raised him to be a, a, a German speaking. Uh, kind of mm. Austrian boy in the court. Um, he, uh, you know, like, to his credit as well, he didn't reject him. Um, he very well could have rejected him, and he very well could have been a harsh influence well, on his that, life. I mean, that's fair, yeah. And um, he gave him the the title Duke of Reichstadt, which which he added on in eighteen eighteen. Um, you know, it, it it seems like there was like a an you know amicable relationship at least between them. Mm. Um, although, as you mentioned, he was very much Cajun, Cajun in the sense where 
Um, he wasn't taught anything about his father. He was taught, you know, that, um, but also to his credit, he wasn't necessarily vilified by Francis. He was kind of, he was, he was described mm-hmm. as a, as a soldier of fortune, um, that like <laughs> took advantage of the situation, but, um, he, you know, he could have been turned into a villain much more than he was. Um, and kind of understandably, uh, by, mm-hmm. by the, the Austrians who were the, the kind of big yeah, antagonist from, from, from their perspective. Yeah. Um, there is this whole quote about, um, when France found out that Napoleon had died, which is in 1821, um, mm. there's a quote from the, the kind of tutor that um, he wept more tears than I should have expected from a child who had never seen or known his father, um, oh. which I think is really that's, sweet. That's so sad. Oh my God. It's, well, it gets yeah. sadder, right? Like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's I pretty mean, sad. It's you know? true. I, I suppose in a way, like I, I do understand the, so I've, I've been reading a lot about Lacan recently, right? The lack, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think a, a primary factor of, of the lack is is that we we fantasize uh, um, reaching like a lack, right? A, a yes, desire that we yeah. have um, as a result of a lack. And we, we never quite want to reach it because once we do, we kind of, it turns into disgust having, having reached the mm. desire um, because it, it no longer represents what we're looking after. So... Mm. I'm not, a, I'm, I have no background in this, but I think there is an aspect of like the mother being in within reach. Obviously he could visit mm-hmm. his mother. Um, she could visit him. She didn't. There was clearly an apathy towards him from her um, versus the father who's, you know, you know, super yeah, far away. He's unable to visit him. Yeah. And, um, you know, there is a quote from Napoleon where he was sent a bust of, of uh, his son um, by a sculptor, Livorno, and he said, for oh, me, exactly. this bus is worth more than millions. Put it on the table in my oh. drawing room so that I may see it every day. Um, oh, that's so you cute. Know? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's so sad, you know. Um, but it's, it's, it is quite nice to see the love being there. Um, and, and yeah, you know, definitely. obviously the marriage itself is so artificial and, and pragmatic as a mm. political move. Yeah. But um, yeah. it is quite beautiful to see the, the love between them. Um, and so, yeah, uh, he, he was, uh, he had like thick curly blonde hair, blue eyes, mm-hmm. um, tall and slender. He, he reached like six foot when he was 17, which is pretty crazy at wow. yeah. <laughs> the time, especially. Um, that was very tall. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, and just, just to, uh, do the obligatory, uh, you know, Napoleon wasn't that short thing. Um, mm. yeah. So Napoleon was five foot six. Um, you know, which was average, actually average height in France at the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but still, but still that's, that's a growth of, uh, of, of a fair amount of feet, isn't it? Uh, from but also like his, there. his nickname, like Le Petit Corporal is an affectionate term. True. It's not a descriptive term, right? Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They, they, they mean, they it's mean, not literally in, uh, little. no, no, they, they mean yeah. kind of like, yeah, it's affectionate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But also the fact that he grew to six foot, uh, as in Napoleon the Second, is a sign that he was fed well. Yeah, yeah, you know, he, he was he was looked after at least in terms of nourishment. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it leads into the theory of him being quite quite well well looked after at least, um, as you mentioned. And um, you know, he made friendships. Food. I mean, maybe not emotionally, but yeah, <laughs> in terms of food, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he became close friends with uh, Princess Sophie of Bavaria, 
who mm-hmm. people that have watched The Empress on Netflix, yes, is the mother. It's not the wife. It's not Cece. It's the mother. Um, they actually get it wrong in the show. They say that the the father was a, a Swedish guy, but it, they're referring actually to Napoleon II um, when they talk about Maximilian's father. Um, it's the conjecture that maybe Maximilian was actually the son of Napoleon II. It probably isn't oh. true. If you look at pictures of them, they look the 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 actual, you know, the, the legitimate kind of father looks very similar yeah. to Maximilian. Yes. <laughs> You know, but they were very close. Um, how close we don't know. Um, yeah. obviously, he was in the court. Um, so France, uh, we say France, it's also Francois Napoleon II. Um, mm-hmm. we will be saying France just because it's how he was referred to. Um, he sure. was a healthy child, but around 16, the doctors noted that his um chest wasn't developing at the same rate as his body, which starts that's, to that's not good, is it? It starts to sound bad, doesn't it? He he was diagnosed with a scrofulous tendency, which is uh, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> but, uh, mm. <laughs> um, however, so so we have his condition, I suppose, and um, it, it very much becomes clear. Even as a child, he was playing with flags. He was dressing in military uniform. When the changing of the guards would happen, he would run outside to watch them. <laughs> he clearly had like a predilection towards military affairs, and mm. he seemed quite good. So. Um, this uh, doctor, for example, mentioned that like um, the profession of arms is undoubtedly the only one he can embrace. Um, mm. Anything with bearing on war delighted him, uh, to quote his biographer, which is uh, Octave Aubrey. <laughs> and it seemed like you know he was good at math, like his father, um, especially when it comes to... Uh, I think you mean maths. Your maths, yeah. <laughs> it became difficult to say with my uh, whiskey uh, tainted mouth. Oh, oh, fair enough, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> mathematics uh, <laughs> was was of interest to him, and especially in terms of like fortifications and artillery and things like that. He rode yeah. well, uh, horses. Oh, he, he was quite that's an active good, child. That's good to hear. Um, and he was very, very eager to become a military man. Very, uh, mm. as he became older, especially after his father passed in eighteen twenty one. Um, he was able to learn a little bit more about his dad and he became obsessed. Um, he was given the curved saber that belonged to his father in Egypt um, um, in, when he was 17 years old. Um, and he was very eager to become part of the military. So he, he was, you know, he, he hmm. became... He, he, he wants uh, to em- emulate his dad. <clears throat> yeah, and the more he learns, the more eager he becomes to, to become like his dad. He, yeah, you know, I mean, he becomes, that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, and and I suppose at the time as well, like if you are in the court in that sense, like military glory is kind of the epitome of what if what is kind of expected mm, of you. In that I mean, I, I suppose as well, like uh, you know, because he does have quite a sheltered life as well. Um, yeah, it, it is. It would be a means <laughs> of escape. Yeah, yeah, mm. and kind of reclaiming a sense of like respect from people that are clearly subservient to him, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so he became a captain in the Imperial Light Cavalry. Uh, sorry, infantry. Um, but even like his voice became hoarse on shouting orders. Like he he was oh. frail, you know, oh, from, because his chest was quite small. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so he there, there was an uprising in Italy against Austria. Uh, he he mm. kind of begged to be taken there, uh, but Francis declined him um, oh. the opportunity. Um, and so. He, he he has this quote, which is quite tragic, which is the principal aim of my life must be never to show myself unworthy of my father. Um, hmm. 
which kind of sums it up really um, in its entirety is that. Yeah, that's, that's his know, kind of a raison d'etre, isn't it? Yeah. Like through his father, he was to find himself because as you mentioned, he was mm. so isolated and, you know, there's no better environment for idealizing a, something you don't know than yeah. isolation and, and books and, you know, idealism yeah. in that sense. I mean, I mean, so we've talked about isolation a lot, but 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 basically, he's he's kind of left alone in a in a country pile most most of the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, he's he's fed well. He's uh, you know, he's he has nice clothes. Um, he can go riding. Um, yeah, but that's that's kind of that's kind of his life, basically. <laughs> he has the luxury yeah. of like these lofty ambitions too, right? Like. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he he doesn't have to do hard labor, but he's um, yeah, yeah, he's he's kind of bored out his mind and um, has all these concepts of uh, unrequited ambition. Yeah, and and who can blame him for that, really? Because you know, obviously, you know, we talk about class Mm. and we do talk about class a lot, but he's bored into the system. (laughs) He is a victim of it, and like he he can do nothing but wonder you know what his life will be especially sure. as an adolescent as a, as a teenager yeah. learning about I mean, his father it's, being it's not you know, it's definitely not the worst life at the time <laughs> but, yeah absolutely yeah. but but uh <laughs> you know from his from his privileged perspective um it's probably quite boring <laughs> you know Im- imagine like yeah. you find out your dad was like like the biggest like you know i mean i don't want to overemphasize it but essentially like the julius caesar of the time right like yeah the primary kind of like i mean crazy how much he had an impact on on the world and that's that's literally your father who who gave you know yeah true yeah. <laughs> uh gave you life and you're now in the austrian court and you're slowly piecing together the story because you you were denied <laughs> it earlier as a child and you're slowly getting a, a story of it now um because they, they kind of realize that like okay he's not coming back from saint helena let him learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And he was also the object of like assassinations and political, you know, yes. uh, objectives and stuff. And um, I suppose that justifies his seclusion a little bit more in the sense for his own protection, for the, the monarchy's kind of protection as well. Um, to some degree, yeah, obviously. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean mm. pe- people wanted him dead, basically, like from, yeah. from him being a baby, right? Um, and... Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a quote by um, like a, an Austrian kind of major uh, saying that he would stake his life on the fact that he knows more on the art of war than the cleverest of our generals. Obviously, hyperbole. There's, there's yeah. a reason he said it. <laughs> but um, yes. th- there are other, like there's many quotes that I've seen that like do seem to support the fact that he was a bright young man, you know, mm. capable, very much the lights of yeah, switching. I mean, he, he, he has lots of time to read. He's got lots of time to. Yeah, um, but, you know, so yeah. I, I suppose like that that could be the case for for so many, um, you know, Tsar Alexander. I don't think you could say the same for, um, no you know, way. With his, <laughs> you know, with his upbringing. So no, I, I mean, there's a uh, there's there's a good um, there's a really good quote uh, that I've heard a few times, which is um, uh, some some people. Oh God, are, are yeah. What is it? Some people are educated beyond their intelligence. <laughs> oh. so, so, so I think in this case, it sounds like uh, he wasn't, <laughs> but but someone like maybe say Sir Alexander was, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he could quote like Euripides, but he he wouldn't know what the fuck like 
you know, <laughs> basic human empathy was, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or, or even, you know, may not be able to quote Euripides. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And especially for like the time where, you know, the classics and all this kind of stuff and yeah. lofty ambitions and the enlightenment, right? Um, and so, yeah, seemed to have quite strong military ambitions. Um, but he, he starts to become aware of his, uh, the wretched body of his, which, which is a quote from him. Um, a, a really good quote that I saw um, from one of his doctors was that he has an iron spirit in the body of crystal which okay. I, I think as, as, a, as a title for a film, you know? That sounds like, um, like Donald Trump's uh, medical report, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, come on. <laughs> Let's keep it romantic. Let's keep it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It just writes itself. It, it, like somebody needs to yeah. adapt this into the screenplay. I, I, yeah, I, I, just... well, I mean... I, I, I think if Stanley Kubrick was still alive, he, he could probably yeah. make a really good film out of this. Yeah. Well, he, he had a Napoleon the first uh, script very, now, very, didn't he? Very true, yeah. I, I guess he could have done the sequel after that, yeah. There is a Ridley Scott one in the works, isn't it, with uh, Joaquin yes, Phoenix? Yeah, 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 for, for this year, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about it being in English, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, House of Gucci mm. was like, personally, I thought it was yeah. quite bad. So I, I don't mm. know if it's going to live up to the... It would Let's have been see. better in Italian, for sure. For sure, man. What is that? I'm not going to get into. Let's, let's, not, get let's into... not get into House of Gucci. But, but yes. Um, yeah. So I would have in mid-April, <laughs> in mid-April 1832, um, Napoleon II in France went for a long morning ride in the cold, damp weather, mm-hmm. and essentially the one of the wheels of his carriage. Um, oh no! Went down, and oh. so he had to go home on foot. But <laughs> no, no, but. He actually fainted in the street oh, on his so way back. Oh, yeah, man. and the next day he came down with pneumonia. So <laughs> it's bad. I mean, so eighteen thousand. How, how long was he in the street? That's really bad. <laughs> well, he 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 collapsed. He he basically like lost his <laughs> strength. Failed him. Okay. Um, so Sounds like he was really cold. Well, yeah. I mean, I I don't yeah. think it would be normal for one to collapse at like. You know, no. <laughs> he's twenty, like twenty one. Yeah, that's that's quite strange, isn't it? <laughs> um, I mean, do, do you think? Uh, I mean, do, do you think, uh, particularly at this point, depression is an issue? Where kind of like his his mental health and uh, how he's how he's eating, things like that. Yeah, I, I do is, wonder is that if there's sources at all. It that's hard to say. Um, their sources are very limited aren't they considering how yeah. recently he was alive um yeah um that that is hard it's, to a, it's, say, a, pos- it's a pos- it's definitely a possibility definitely, you know yeah i mean i'd be surprised if yeah. he didn't have a sense of like melancholy about yeah his well, life. i mean yeah. he, he very much seemed aware of it like the futility of his yeah, of course. situation yeah, like from from a young um, age yeah definitely yeah and like that quote that we read like it's it's, I suppose the tragic thing is that he's correct, you know, like his, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you can't deny he's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> it's his birth and his death. That is his whole story. Like, and I, yeah. I really didn't want this episode to be proving him right in that way. Like I, I wanted to give him like, <laughs> I don't know the guy, but like, it, it just seems I would never want to be, it, it would be person misremembered, <laughs> but, like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I would never want to be the person that's remembered for having 
a sad story, you know, that didn't live up to their potential. It's like, uh, I mean, I think I'm, that's I'm more sure, sad. you know, I'm, I'm sure I did some fun times, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but, you know, like, uh, basically, basically, you know, effectively the whole point of, uh, his existence was to, um, you know, to remain caged, uh, yeah. as much as possible. Um, and to, you know, they, they were effectively terrified that, you know, what, what could he do? Um, you know, what if yeah. he, uh, you know, was, uh, healthy and, you know, like properly educated and, um, you know, uh, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, so that's, that's why they kept him cooped up. Yeah, definitely. He he was he was definitely a political tool. Um, yeah, to I mean, kind of almost secure peace against France. Yeah, and that's, yeah that's exactly. Like, um, and uh, I'm I'm sure he must have known that as well. It seemed like he was very bright. Um, and so he he died at Schönbrunn Palace, mm. actually, which is where his you know his his dad as well was like staying when he yeah. signed the, the Treaty of Pressburg and stuff. Yeah, true. Um, on July 22nd, 1832, age 21. Mm. Mary Louise was with him. Like the actual story of his death is so tragic. Like there's actually, there's a mm. lot of source source content for like that itself. And mm. um, his last words were like, I think it was something like blisters or something. And Gosh. he then falls into like a stupor. He can no longer respond verbally. He can move his head a little bit. And um, it's, it's, if you so, read the so accounts, it, it, it sounds like he's having a really bad fever, basically. Basically, they said that like one of his lungs was completely eviscerated, Whoa. and the other one was beginning to be, but it was a really, really bad case of like pneumonia. Okay. It was like it seemed yeah. awful. Like he was saying, he, like he felt like he was falling. They carried his body. Like he wow. kind of had some relief from like being held up. So it, it's. I didn't even include it in my notes because I felt so disturbed by yeah. the, the actual I mean, story people die from pneumonia even now <laughs> don't they so yeah yeah, yeah. And, and it's tragic in any case right and and like yeah it, it's just a really sad story um but uh i i didn't want the story to be i i would never want to be seen as just a sad story and i, I think that to me is yeah. the sentiment of like this whole episode is like i don't i kind of want to end on a high note because i, I don't want him to be just a sad at, tragedy at, at the same time though you know it's not necessarily his fault is it you know because he's uh he's um he's he's not caging himself is he so um you know he's well, uh he's he's, he's a victim you know, yeah uh, i i think it's uh it's, it's a story of um how human potential can be inhibited um mm. and you know if if so to speak if if wings are clipped um then they're clipped basically yeah yeah, it's it's a it's a sad fact of like, you know, you can have plans, but life has its own plan for you, I suppose. Um, but what what is interesting yeah, is think about particularly people don't want you to to succeed. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, what is interesting mm-hmm. to think about is like, mm-hmm. let's. I, I know you're not the biggest fan of alternate history, and I I, I respect that's, that. That's right? okay. Don't worry. But we'd be remiss <laughs> we, we not to mention. <laughs> we can go I mean, into it. <laughs> so he has clearly quite a good understanding of military affairs it seems like by all accounts he's very much interested yeah. in it he's very good at it it seems like at his age he has the right upbringing yeah, I, I mean, right to, to, to be fair he's he, it's unproven but i mean uh 
we, it, it's you know, not in their interest to, to prove it, though, really, is it? Because, like, they would want... No, no, they, they don't want him to prove it at all. <laughs> their accounts should be quite yeah. negative towards his potential, right? Which that's I think... That's fair, that's fair. You know? But, yeah, but, but, but still, you know, he's, he's never actually, uh, you know, he's been in the light infantry, sure, but he's, he's never been in battle True. or anything. Or, True. Um, so, but, but let's yeah, assume... Sorry. Yeah, let's right. assume there is something, and and this is a whole other conversation. Let's not get into it, but sure. let's assume there is something of the father in the son, right? Hmm. So we know that Francis the first, the emperor uh, of Austria, yeah. dies yeah. not long after. I think it's eighteen thirty-five. He dies, Ooh, whatever right. it is, yeah. right? Um, Franz Karl, the son or the the, the successor, uh, becomes the new emperor. Uh, he is hmm. the the guy in the Empress. Uh, <laughs> if people are familiar yes. with the show. <laughs> Um, so he's like, you know what? Go for it, man. Like you can be like a marshal. You can be a general. Go crazy. Go <laughs> what happens? And that's, that's my question to you because I don't really have a good understanding of, of late oh, okay. uh, century Europe. Um, yeah. what happens? Well, well, like, there's well, a Franco-Prussian like army. Um, like, you know, well, there's I mean, the Austro-Prussian yeah. war, there's Crimea. Well, they, well, I, I, ironically, the, um, the first, the first war he would probably fight in would be, um, the uh the, the wars of italian unification yeah <laughs> yeah yeah against um uh the kingdom of savoy and then uh the um the second french empire led, you know headed by his uh who, ooh, who would that be that would be his cousin yeah 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 napoleon the third uh it gets complicated <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i think it would be his cousin yeah because it's <laughs> yeah. yeah because because napoleon the third was the the son of uh josephine's yeah uh daughter and uh her husband who was napoleon's brother Hortons. it's it's Hortons Hortons, Louis, yeah. isn't it? i went to yes. their house in the in the lake constance anyway oh wonderful yeah <laughs> i'm sure that was lovely it was really nice. Uh, yeah, well, so, so Napoleon III is definitely not caged at all. Yeah. So he's, he, he, he runs rampant, basically. He's uncaged, um, right? This guy is yeah, un- he, un- he, he's, unhinged. He's unhinged, unhinged, even, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but then becomes Emperor, Emperor of France. Um, um, yeah, so, I mean, would would he fight against his uh, his cousin? I don't know. I mean, but I mean, obviously, we saw that in the First World War um lots of cousin fighting there but uh but you know obviously at that time um napoleon III was directly in command of the army so he's on the mm. battlefield um and then yeah, napoleon well, the second well, would also be on the battlefield sorry, sorry. Yeah, just to interrupt quickly like there is a quote from napoleon the second where he says like he would yeah. um he would love to obviously fight for the austrian mm. army sure he would never fight against france um and i'm sure with the hero worship that he has with father I, well, I do wonder what that would have looked like, you know. Maybe he would defect then. I mean, yeah, maybe he would, would have defected. Um, or is there some kind of push for a diplomatic play with uh, Austria and France? Not, not really in that conflict. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't think Austria is going to give up northern Italy um, without. What if it's What conflict. if it's in, in return for some favor with with some other? Nah, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't you know think there's so. any. <laughs> No, I mean, because because Northern Italy is such uh, fertile agricultural land. Um, yeah, there's there's no way. I mean, particularly would, the Po would, Valley. Would would uh, Napoleon III mm-hmm. become involved in the conflict if he knew that his, you know, his his kin was? Yeah, I don't. There? I don't think he would care. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, particularly if you're Emperor of France, you know, I mean, like, like geopolitically, um, that's what makes sense, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, because because you can't really go for Belgium because that's that's protected by treaty. So, yeah. um, obviously, you don't want to go for Prussia because that's that's Prussia. So, um, you know, yeah, Austria so goes to war with Prussia, right? And France goes to war with yeah, Prussia. And, and, in the well, so Austria in, in the 1860s, and, and then uh, you know France famously in, in 1870. So um, is is there something there? Would there have been, yeah, you know, the the shortening of of talks towards an alliance between Austria and France, towards you know eliminating Prussia? Would would Germany have never formed? Would um, I mean maybe, you know? but I mean I mean just just in terms of geopolitically, like what what is around them, um, what's What's good territory? What's bad territory? Um, I I don't think so. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I mean uh, also is, how much influence? Yeah, well, well, yeah. Northern Germany is uh, is good uh, agricultural land as well. Yeah, um, you know, rye and wheat, uh, good. You know, good kind of staple crops, and then obviously <laughs> increasingly in the nineteenth century, the, uh, the the potato as well. Um, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, people laugh at potatoes, but they, uh, but they, uh, they have, have huge agricultural yield, um, and then increasingly in Prussia, particularly in the uh, the mid nineteenth century, um, steel production, coal production, um, mm. you know, kind of the, the the backbone of industrial uh, economies. Um, yeah, no, I, I I don't think it would have been that that different to be honest. So I. <laughs> Also, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about how much influence Napoleon II would have, would have been able to exert within <laughs> Austria as well. But, but, but that's that's your that's on you, right? Because my my whole sure, thing is okay, like, fine, go ahead. Yeah. What if Napoleon II was like, okay, super ambitious, got rid of his yeah. his uncle, whatever? He was like, how? I'm the emperor now, he, right? How's it? How's he do that? <laughs> <laughs> he, um, yeah, I don't know. He inches his way there. Franz Karl, he's in love with Cece. Yeah. Cece gets does he does he stab him in the back while he's asleep, kind of thing, or what, what maybe, 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 maybe. Oh, okay, right, but but no one knows. Well, they assassinated his wife, so maybe he gets another person yeah. to assassinate the husband with the wife, Franz Ferdinand oh, style, right? Solid. Maybe okay, there's cool, a. Cool. Right. Um, it has happened, you know. He, he gets a, a young Gabriella Prince. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, but I I. I'm ascribing a lot onto him, obviously, and, I, and I'm just a romantic, you know, like okay. ascribing a story onto something which yeah. ended quite tragically. But yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, I so, so, I do... so, so just, just, just quickly for, for our, um, um, for, if anyone is a history student, um, basically, what's going on here is is uh, I'm ascribing to the um, <laughs> to the kind of uh, kind of economic, probably probably more Marxist frame of history. Of viewing history and, and Adrian is describing it more to the great great man theory of history or the great person theory of history. Yeah. So that's the, that's the main conflict here. Uh, which which is a, which is um uh you know like it's a famous long debate within his historiography. Yeah. Obviously yeah, like you have a degree yeah. in history, I don't, right? So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that's the thing, but but I'm. I'm, I'm just saying that the, you know, these these are arguments that happen within historiography, like even now, you know. Um, yeah. Like, you know, is is an individual person's actions more important, or is it based on predetermined um, circumstances? Yeah, material like. Yeah. Yeah. 
effectively, and, yeah. And obviously, like we described how Napoleon was very fortunate, Napoleon the first was very fortunate to have very, very optimal yeah. material circumstances for him to like rise to power so quickly, yeah. become a general at 24. Um, but we are also describing the son of one of the greatest men to which a sure. great man of yeah. history of like is ascribed to, right? It's, it's kind of a, yes. you know, you, you have the Julius Caesar, you have the Frederick the Great, you have the Napoleon. Sure. And mm-hmm. that being your father, if, if, if he wasn't impeded by his physical uh, ailments, you know, mm-hmm. I do, it does seem like he was very keen and obviously, keen, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but it, it also seems like, you know, he was, he was, he became a colonel of a, of an Imperial regiment of the infantry. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm ascribing a lot of romantic kind of notions onto him. That's, uh, I mean, that's, that's very 19th century. So that's, uh, that's very appropriate. I think. But I, I do think history would have, yeah. I don't know, um, it, like obviously Napoleon III, very much loyal to his roots as a as a Bonaparte, as a Napoleonic kind of yeah. legacy, right? Um, would he have treated Austria differently having been a member of the dynasty to which he, you know, idolized himself so much? I mean, the house that he lived in was like hmm. covered in Napoleon portraits. Um yeah. You know, he he obviously would have thought differently of the European political sphere mm. if he knew that a member of his dynasty was, you know, Middle Europe, which was separated by us by Italy and, and Switzerland and Germany. Um, mm. Whether there was a difference in thinking regarding Prussia, which is you know a, a German-speaking uh, power, um, clearly antagonistic towards Austria and Russia and France and, and Russia as well, but that's a different situation. Um, all I'm saying is I think there is a different dynamic there um, compared to what yeah, they I ended mean, up I mean, in. I, I, I think if you're saying that, you know, if, uh, <laughs> I think if you say if Napoleon II was, uh, was Emperor of Austria somehow and um, Napoleon III was Emperor of France, then, then yeah, of course there would be an affinity. Yeah. Like 100%. Yeah. Yeah. How would that look? Well, <laughs> well, I, I, I would say prob- <laughs> probably, uh, yeah, you would not have um, unification of Italy as early as it happened, and and the unification of Germany as early as it happened. Uh, those those two things would be impeded. Would they ever happen? Or or good question. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Would would we have um, um, you know the Northern League <laughs> of, of of Italy, or uh, you know, would, would yeah, we have yeah. um, you know North North Germany and South Germany um, yeah. separated? Would would uh, would a Gabriele De Nuncio like in in Trias, for example? <laughs> I mean, that's, would that ever happen? I mean, that's that that's an incredibly <laughs> um, uh, specific reference. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but yes, I mean, possibly. Yeah, I mean, would, would uh, Italian nationalist would, movement? Would, yeah. would Italian fascism take uh, take form? Who knows? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, good yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but then. With 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 Yugoslavia happen, for example, with 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 uh, yeah, the, the the dual yeah. ducal kind of uh, agreement with um, Austro-Hungary, yeah. would that happen? Um, would there be yeah. you know? I mean, World War One especially is like yeah, it's, true. I mean, becomes, yeah, it would it would definitely change world history. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, you have obviously you have Willie and Nikki, right? Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Wilhelm and uh, Nicholas, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> 
and, and Austria being given carte blanche by Russia. If Prussia hadn't mm. existed because of a joint coalition between yeah, France would, and would, Austria. would Prussia be as industrialized as well? Yeah. Sorry, that's, that, that's me going back into my. <laughs> going, going no, back no, into no. My, but, I mean, um, we, we are, we are yeah. trying to look in the material uh, yeah. circumstances too. I think economically, sure. especially, it's a question because yeah. you look at the Congress of Vienna and you look at the, the economical shifts as well with the free city of Krakow, for example, mm. with the Kingdom of yes. Poland becoming kind of a state of, of Russia. Mm. There's a huge shift in, um, we're talking like the partitioning of Poland where Russia, Russia yes. and Austria um, have the territory. Then they're becoming Confederate Poland, which just becomes, or Congress Poland, which becomes part of Russia, um, which then becomes Russia, an increase in Russian influence in the area, um, mm. and Austrian waning in the area, right? Um, yes, which true. you know, uh, say you know, gives it gives Prussia like the uh, I suppose the uh, the idea to like further industrialize and create German uh, confederation without Austria, right? As a, as a part of that union um there's so many questions i don't think napoleon the second would have been the trigger um but i do think we have an opportunity just to like (laughs) entertain the idea i don't think it ever would have been a possibility obviously the the realpolitik governs over much more than just Mm. the the great man theory where you know he wasn't son therefore he must have been well um it's not obvious i mean it is a debate within history so yeah, but um, yeah, I suppose I wanted to introduce that conversation just because I wanted to think about <laughs> his. Uh, I wanted to give some dignity to the potential of his life. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's reasonable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's Napoleon the Second, I suppose. Well, I guess you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, you know, we we uh, probably gonna have a quick break now and then. Uh, We'll be, we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the introduction. Um, but yeah, I mean that that was uh, that was a good discussion, wasn't it? Um, yeah, we yeah we we, we talked about uh, Napoleon the Second, which was pretty cool. And um, I guess you know we're going to thank our. Our, our listeners for listening and then go into the uh, the after show yeah just just a quick shout out as well to oh, of Roberts, Shannon Selin and Octave Aubrey for the uh, perfect the material of the show great time and uh, yeah thank you for listening to the podcast for, um, for the what for the what for the sh- oh, for supporting the show for uh, for supporting the uh, the knowledge of the show <laughs> oh okay great okay <laughs> For the, for the for the references for the sources oh um, okay yeah. yeah but um yeah we, this could have been like a 12 hour <laughs> podcast i mean we we could have this could have been like a 100 hour podcast couldn't it like easily <laughs> very easily <laughs> there's like so yeah, much we, that we like, like day by day you know like which <laughs> you like um i mean there, well there are some podcasts like that you know like that like um yeah I, i've listened to one um which is like day by day, um, 
about the first world war yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I was i was riveted i was like yes <laughs> like tell me more <laughs> it was we, so we detailed i was thinking about the first world war don't we though as well because it's such yeah, a man, fascinating I'm, I'm, I'm hyped like yeah it's a, it's a it good leads time into, it, it, uh, like, stories anyway what we talked about today it leads into so much oh uh, of course yeah yeah the congress of everything yeah. with um, prussia austria and yeah. france and russia as well it's um definitely we, we mentioned really <laughs> yeah. and Nikki earlier but it's, it is crazy yeah. that like wilhelm of prussia and nicholas mm. I of russia um they were writing to each other in english which you can read on wikipedia they're, they're like scans yeah, yeah, of yeah. the letters in english mm. um they're being like come on don't be like this like your your ambassador <laughs> um was much ruder to yeah. me than you are to me in our letters and signing it willie and nikki I mean, so, yeah. but then, you know, you have that and then obviously, you know, uh, millions of people die. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. literally yeah. The, the worst for like, it's ridiculous. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, so that's enough about the first world war. Uh, so, um, but yeah, we, we hope you enjoy listening to uh, the put in the second and um, are, are we in the after show now? I, I was going to ask you the same question. There'll be a, a <laughs> outro of the song at some point oh, okay, between cool. us right. saying this now and some point of us earlier saying it. All right. I don't know where we are right now, but we I'm are. Not sure, but maybe right maybe we'll take a break and then we'll go into the outro. <laughs> Good idea. Okay, let's take a break. <laughs> nice. Cool. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in the outro. Uh, nearly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah I hope you had a good time with your whiskey mine's been pretty good actually yeah, I do. I, yeah would Napoleon the second have preferred whiskey or vodka that's a good question <laughs> Um, I think what a segue. Ge- that's that's a crazy segue. I think I think I think <laughs> geographically probably vodka. <laughs> but I think if we're being honest, probably schnapps. Oh yeah, schnapps, yeah. Apriski, like uh, probably would have liked schnapps. Getting lit on the Alps, just like yeah. drinking like schnapps, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well actually, yeah, we could do a whole episode on the on ski resorts actually. Like yeah, when did they become a thing? Things like that. I've never been to one, so I have like no. I've never been to one either, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, we could do a whole thing on that. Um, it's like an like an outsider's view on the Yeah, well on the on ski resorts, yeah. Like uh, what's the point? <laughs> I I I don't understand it personally, yeah. Um it was fun. It's, it looks like fun. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but also people die like as well. So, <laughs> yeah, you can never yeah. get me into actually skiing. I feel like it's so like dangerous it's just, and it's so scary. It's so, yeah, I mean, like, uh, like Michael Schumacher is like still. Mm. Um, I think he's out of his coma now, but he's he's you know he's not in a good way. Like, like but it does seem accident. it does seem nice to be in the mountains and then. Yeah, I mean, the, the, maybe the you don't, maybe you don't have to go at like sixty miles an hour in the mountains, you know. We'll just be there, like having a little whiskeys and fondue, yeah, exactly. and like a nice cabin, you know. Um, yeah. That's cool to me, but I don't oh, know that about much nicer, yeah. I don't know about going down maybe, or like high speed. Maybe go for like a, a, a gentle walk, or maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, gentle uh, walk. <laughs> gentle walk. <laughs> Talking about like romanticism, you know, like 
the mist <laughs> over the mountains. Well, I mean that that would be very appropriate in the uh, the Austrian Alps. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, that, that 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 kind of thing. Um, yeah, but no, yeah, it's never really appealed to me. Um, no, <laughs> I think yeah, there's there's a few. Uh, it's it's kind of like when you know you hear about like various like rich people dying, um, and it's one of the main causes apart from like car crashes. Is, um, <laughs> like, or like motor motorbike accidents. Damn, uh, stuff like <laughs> the average person can't like, afford to like. Yeah, like, <laughs> like to die that way, you know. So you're like, mm, maybe yeah. not. When they start to talk about like death drive and like death wish and stuff, and I'm like, I cannot relate <laughs> to that. Like, <laughs> what's what was that? I don't even. Know That's what that a different is. tax bracket to me. <laughs> what, what what even is that? <laughs> when it's like you're seeking out like death. I, it's it's a long. I don't want to start talking about what? Freud, man. It's like, it, oh, yeah. okay. Well, because because yeah, everything is uh, safe and boring. Kind of <laughs> well, well. I'm, if you take like a Lacanian point of view to it as well, like the the okay. the only desire that we can actually achieve is death. Yeah. But also, okay. his point of view is that we don't really reach it. So it's it's yeah. I, let's not go into it because that's it's, okay. <laughs> All, all I can save, say is for is, another episode. <laughs> there is the concept of the death wish, right? Which um Yeah. I I, I can't relate to. Um I, I don't really no, I've, I've, I've never had a death wish. To, I don't think no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm having I'm a good to, time. <laughs> I'm trying to not get mugged like on the streets, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm um yeah <laughs> I, I, I mean i'm just yeah i mean i i don't know why you would want to i mean you know yeah i mean life, life is good <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, yeah, I'm not you, trying you, to put you, myself on a mountain like going down at no, high speed no I don't, trees I mean, like, it, does, it doesn't sound like a good idea does it i mean i <laughs> even even up here in um in scotland where uh, you know i've i think I, the last time i saw um a an open sky was uh about two weeks ago uh, you know, with, with, with the aid of vitamin D tablets, uh, yeah. life, life, life is very good. <laughs> yes. uh, um, yeah, like uh, everything is fine. You know? Like you can wake up like candles um, in, in the yeah, darkness, yeah. and then, um, and then you know by the time it's nine nine a.m., then um, you know, the, the sun um, winks at you, <laughs> and then uh, and then it's gone again. So, by the time it's nine a.m., <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not even joking <laughs> and then, and then uh, you know and then off, off it goes at like uh, 4.30 <laughs> oh man yeah like I, I started to notice like because I, I usually go to the I have to leave the house at 7.30 hmm. yeah. if I want to go to the gym before mm-hmm. work and it, it, I had to leave at like darkness and it was awful it was yeah, like raining bad. and dark and I was starting <laughs> to get bright you're like, oh, I just woke it up. It's it's shitty. I'm I'm like I'm going to the gym. I'm like I'm in yeah. like a Sisyphean like fucking <laughs> constant cycle of just like I get sick and I lose all my progress and I have to go back and then I get sick and mm, yeah. uh, I don't look like I go to the gym at all. Even I've been going for like wow. ten years plus. 
I, um, I don't either, but I've never been, so. <laughs> I know. That's the worst Sorry. thing about it. Is like, I think you're a better shit than me. <laughs> no, that can't be true. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, I mean, oh, for, for the listeners at home, uh, or, 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 or wherever you are, actually, uh, maybe you're at the gym right now. Um, yeah, yeah, true. But yeah, I mean, all, all, all I do is hits. I just do the hits exercises. Um, <laughs> that's it. And then... <laughs> It's like takes like seven minutes out of my day, <laughs> uh, but 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 to, to be fair, Edinburgh does have a lot of hills, so I've, I've walked a lot yeah. of hills. So some of them are, are like uh, maybe forty degree angles as well. So oh damn, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe that's the secret. Like, I mean, that's maybe. the Heideggerian um, secret: walking through the Black Forest, the hills, in a hills, contemplation, yeah. thinking about the gaps in the trees where the light comes through. Ah oh, man, yeah, I mean, you maybe, can't get that maybe, in London. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, unless you live in Hampstead, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I just like the, the 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 best way to describe what I do in the gym is I pick up heavy stuff and I put it back down again, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's my like purely my conception of what goes on um, yeah 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 it feels uh, good though. it feels good it's scratched an itch yeah. um cool. it just sucks that like you have to wake up when it's dark leave the house when it's dark just to pick yeah. up heavy stuff and put it back down again and you're just like why am i doing this and you get to work and you're sweaty and you're just like on <laughs> <laughs> the like showers there though right i mean I, i've heard there are showers at gyms yeah, yeah i do shower at the gym but then i have to walk okay. to work from the gym and by oh. the time I get there, I'm still warmed up, and it's a, it's a whole oh, thing. In any case, what I'm saying, sure, surely, surely you want to be warm though, because it's because uh, it's it's cold right now. Yeah, but you start sweating then, yeah. and then like oh. you get to work and you're sweaty, and like you're dressed really warm, so like mm. you know. Um, but it's no longer dark when I wake up and have to leave, so that's oh, a good, good thing. Really? Well, it is here. Um, it's like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, as, as I was saying, it gets lighter like nine, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but, isn't that isn't that mad for the same country? Like, literally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. What is the the longitude of? Is it longitude? What, what, like, where is yeah. um? Where Edinburgh? is Edinburgh? It's, to... like, it's, it's Moscow. It's the same as Moscow. What about Canada? Is it northern Canada? No, Canada America is Canada, lower Canada, than Canada, like um, the main cities in Canada are much more south than you think they are. They're like Paris. Yeah, yeah. Like, say, American general like, is so far south. <laughs> yeah, well, like uh, like Washington is like um, I don't know, like Seville or something, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, or like Northern <laughs> Africa, <laughs> um, and you know Toronto is Paris. So yeah, that's crazy. We should like, think, think of cold. Yeah, well, yeah, but you know, but you think you think how hot like a Parisian summer is like uh, it's it's pretty pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah Parisian yeah. winter is, is is pretty mild. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so we uh, we hope you've enjoyed our our podcast about um, Napoleon the Second's dad, and uh, and, <laughs> and and uh, and Napoleon the Second as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then next week, uh, so we're going to do the tables episode, right? Oh yeah. Well, I have a table. You have a table. Like, uh, well, we all have tables, right? So, like, isn't it weird that we all? Not only do we all have tables, but also how they haven't changed at all. It's pretty weird, isn't mm. it? Um, 
but but, but uh, semi seriously, uh, maybe we're gonna do something on. Uh, yeah, we I need to know. consult the list. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I I thought of one today, which actually was uh, we could do a hit the history of torpedoes. Oh wow, torpedoes. <laughs> We yeah, need to we need to have uh, a particular torpedo in mind though. Maybe we should have a meeting first. But, but um <laughs> I like to discuss what we're doing next. But um yeah, t- torpedoes are um I'm not gonna say fun because obviously they they, they cause human uh, human <laughs> suffering. But um but they're very interesting. Um yeah. Um and then maybe we can do one on um I don't know. I'm trying to fuck something up now. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll promise something like yeah, some, uh, some, something really good, something fun. Yeah, yeah. don't worry. We'll yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about right. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, good things in the works. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for listening, and for I mean, it'll have to be like a Napoleonic theme at some point. We have to like go oh, the way course, up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we we can we can bang out a probably in the third episode, no problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Work our way up and then down. Napoleon oh, the yeah. first will become like. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll do like a gap, through. like in between this one yeah. and the next one. Hundred <laughs> yeah, yeah. percent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for listening, guys. Um, it's been a great episode, if I say to yeah. myself. Well, and um yeah, they're probably the second. I've had a good no. time. <laughs> <laughs>